Hello and welcome to episode 188 of Gaming Fix Podcast on this beautiful September Ford. Uh, it's the dream team you've always been waiting for. Finally, it's the two people you came to hear, came to the podcast here without any interruptions in the way. Joining me this week is Alex. Hello. Hello. And it's me, Pat. We have uh, Hi, Pat. other lovely co-hosts are, uh, are are out this week, but we're holding it down. I don't know. I don't have any clever <laughs> quips or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. We're holding it down with our dump truck booties or something. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I almost was like, oh, if you don't have anything to say, I'll just keep talking. And then it was funny for it to be quiet for a long time because, and I love doing that to people because uh, anytime there's more than two seconds of silence in a podcast, I always go, oh, shit, did it pause for some reason? Oh, no. Did, did my internet die? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, did my car break down? Um, so I, I hope that everyone tree, has had that experience. Did a tree fall on my car again? <laughs> if a tree falls on your car. Yeah, and there's no one there to to see it. Did it happen? Uh, yeah. So it's just two of us. Um, you've been away for a little bit, Alex. You I have. have any fun talk about your games or talk about whatever going on? I'm trying to think of anything particularly hilarious happened. Not really, other than like going for a lot of runs and just running into an absurd amount of raccoons. Like, oh, that's good. Yeah, like they're it's fine, but they raccoons are weird in that they will just kind of like deer in headlights in front of you when you're running. Like they'll just kind of stand there and they stare don't really at care you. about people. In no, my experience, not uh, particularly. But like it's the kind of thing where they might be intimidated if you just stare at them and they're staring back at you and they just won't move. So like oftentimes, if I run into that situation, I just have to turn around for like a second, and then they'll run away, and then I just keep going. <laughs> my favorite raccoon thing that ever happened i saw raccoon like a month ago just trotting down the road which was good not in the road thankfully on the sidewalk uh but um the the my favorite thing that ever happened with raccoons is when i was camping one time um just a few years ago not that not not like in my youth um there i was sleeping and then i got woken up by this like chittering noise and i was like oh there's raccoons somewhere and i got out of the tent and zipped it back up behind me because i was like please don't go in my tent um and uh, some of the people i was camping with were not very experienced campers uh and did not understand that like the depths that raccoons will go to to take your food and stuff oh yeah so i got i got out of the tent and there's this big tree over me and this bag of bread hits me like square on top of the head which is fine because it's soft because it's bread and i and then i looked up and turned my flashlight on and there's a raccoon with two others around it holding a piece of bread just like going to town on it like halfway in its mouth and it just freezes when i turned the flashlight on and pointed it up and just looks at me and the other raccoons looked at me in the perfect like cartoon freeze frame of like uh <laughs> i love that <laughs> And it was because someone had left food out on the, this loaf of bread out on the table without putting it away. And I was like, you know what? At this point, and I just kind of like took the bread out of the bag and left it there and <laughs> threw the bag away <laughs> so that they wouldn't choke on the plastic and went back to bed. Yeah, <laughs> they that's were fantastic. 
<laughs> I don't really like feeding wildlife, but at that point it was like, well, I'm not going to eat the, the raccoon bread now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yours may as well now. Not, may as well not further inconvenience them. Yeah, yeah. that's hilarious. Like, okay, when they went back for the bread, like, obviously they're going to go back for it now. Did they, gone do, you the know, for sure, so. do you know if they did it in the tree or did they just grab all of it and book it? I don't know. I didn't stay up long enough to watch them. I should have. Uh, I Fair will enough. tell you that someone got really irritated in the morning that the bread was gone. And I was like, well, got left out. We learned something about camping. Raccoons got into it. And they were like, why, why didn't you chase them off and save the bread? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, there's a grocery store 10 minutes away and you have a car. Just go buy some bread. Oh, so this was like near city camping. This oh, wasn't this like... Was like this was like car camping. Oh, okay. Uh, it wasn't near a city city, but there was definitely a place to get bread nearby. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't. I don't know what it's how how it is there, but like, there's lots of uh, camping. There's tons and tons and tons of camping in Michigan where it's like a state park, and you could almost walk to like a convenience store or something, uh, and. It'll still There's be like spots, in the yeah. woods and you're still camping, but it's car camping and um, you're not that far from like stores and stuff. Uh, sure. We definitely have something like that. You get some deep woods camping and like we had there's that there too. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in Washington, it's a little more common to have camping. That's like more off the beaten path. There's sure. Some, I'm sure there are some places where you can go, but like the last, the one time I went camping in Washington, we were good 45 minutes from anything. Uh, but these people were not would not have been able to handle that. <laughs> uh, that that was that 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 was a camping trip where I mostly just sat and read because no one wanted to do anything that I found particularly interesting. <laughs> That's unfortunate, but it's fine. It's I like sitting worst. at campsites and reading, so it was a good, yeah, still a good trip for me. You anyway, trips. Yeah, I've always you know I've always wanted there to be a video game about i mean i know there are games that have camping in them but i've always thought like my one of my one of my dream projects would be to work on a survival game where you're camping um and then it's like just build as a camping simulator and then there's like really creepy horror shit just kind of snuck in there that Mm -hmm. you don't you don't necessarily know about i mean it's some people would have take deep issue with with surprising them with horror game stuff but yeah. uh I, i've like, always kind of wanted to make a game like that yeah like I, that sounds good like you kind of get a little bit of that with don't starve but mm-hmm. i but think this guy, i have a i have a free game in my library that i still haven't played called hog hunter 2021 <laughs> i think that game does that because it kind of looks like a dusk uh, sort of game or something. Hunter um, twenty twenty one, where you hunt hogs, and I think maybe they start to turn into like horrifying monster hogs or something. Um, Boss hogs, if you will. Yeah, yeah, but I never got around to playing. It was free. Oh, this and it looks short. It says very positive reviews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's usually like, free games get pretty good marks. Seems. Yeah, but it's supposed to be cool. I'm. I'll get to it eventually. It's only like a couple hours. I think. Anyway, it looks like video Quake. Game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, the top top review, someone who has about an hour on it. It's a thumbs up. It's got a whole bunch of awards. All it says is hog. 
<laughs> yes. Very good. <laughs> I want to see the person with the most playtime in Hog Hunter 2021. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh speaking of hog like animals, uh uh-huh. you've been playing uh a game with some hogs in it. Uh I guess. There's like there's a there's a hog Pokemon in Pokemon Unite, right? There's something in there. Like there's a hog Pokemon. I don't know if there's a hog Pokemon in Pokemon Unite. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Uh, I don't even know. They've added. I haven't played that much the last couple of weeks, so they've added. I think just Blastoise. Blastoise is a little bit hog-like. I know he's a turtle, but yeah, he's got that uh, sick-ass. Um... Snorlax is kind of a hog. What's the name of the friggin' starter that was like? Am I thinking of like Tepig? Yes. I think you are. Wigglytuff has big hog energy. Yeah, that's also relatively new. Or yeah. no, sorry, uh, not what. Uh, Blissey is relatively new. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, Pokemon Unite. So, how how in depth do we want to go? Because <laughs> I have lots of lots we could talk about. I I I don't know that we need to go like all the way deep, but um, you know, like more than a I played it I liked it or didn't like it maybe not like the the hardcore numbers I mean <laughs> obviously MOBAs you can talk about the hardcore numbers for hours if you want to yeah totally like we could it's just us we could go in depth about Dota items and builds and balancing yeah. no, but let's let's not so eventually I think I I'm going to talk about Destiny a little bit so Oh boy. You okay, know. we'll have our we'll have our numbers talk later then. Um so yeah, with Pokemon Unite, I made it to Masters, which is currently uh the highest rank in the game. Like and Challenger kind of, I think. I, I don't know what Challenger is. Oh, okay. It's just the yeah. league rank that's like the highest where you start your rank starts becoming like how high are you ranked amongst other players? It's no longer yeah. like your gold three or whatever it's like your challenger yep. 1231 that means you're the 1200th best player 1231st totally. best player in the world yeah um, yeah i don't and know if puts... that's exactly how challenger works but in spirit it's basically yeah so yeah in the game in pokemon unite it does put you onto a global like ranking leaderboard mm-hmm. um and yeah so like having made it to that level i feel pretty like i feel like i have a pretty good feel for the game as a whole and like we can probably talk about any aspect of it now um and if I was to give it a review, like if we we're going to do a mini review here, I'm not going to write one on the site because I don't think it's, I don't think we need to. I, I could if this conversation ends up being interesting and people want to see it in another form. But I, I pretty much have two completely separate opinions about the game. Like the first one is if you're playing it casually, like if you're just playing it with like lower stress game modes, playing it with friends, like you're not taking it too seriously or you're someone who's just learning MOBAs, like anything like that. I think it's excellent. I think mm-hmm. it lowers the barrier to entry for a MOBA to like a super manageable and like just gives you a super digestible experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does that in particular better than pretty much any other game. Like um, certainly better than Dota, uh, better than League from when I tried it. Like yep, Smite is would, like closer, right. but like um, yeah, I just think it holds your hand in good ways and it it simplifies the mechanics in really smart ways. Um, which like, I don't know, I, I used to be a pretty hardcore Dota player. Like 
it was like 4,500 MMR or something. I can't remember actually. Uh, around 4,500 MMR at the peak. So relatively competitive and like definitely know like all of the intricacies and shit there of like, oh, like this item and this this team comp and all this kind of stuff is what you want and blah, 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 blah. Like it's really nice to play a much more simplified game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where it's, there's still depth. Like there's definitely depth to Pokemon Unite. And, uh, but, but it's just simplified in a lot of really smart ways. So yeah, I think for sure that makes it like, a really 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 easy recommendation for any new players and like if you're looking at it from that perspective five stars it kicks ultra booty everybody and should play it i think that works well for people like me too who i really like the genre quite a lot mm-hmm. and like i'll hop into league and play an aram here and there and um you know i i even occasionally will reinstall dota to to play a game or two with somebody um i wasn't as hardcore any as any of those games as you were but still like i played a lot of them for a while and yeah. now when i'm gonna just play me um i like smite a lot like you mentioned uh mm-hmm. but um there's something about like sitting on the couch with a controller and playing a moba and you can play smite on console but because i i'm used to playing it on pc i can't stand it on console um and uh it's definitely nice to have that sort of more simplified experience where i'm not worried about um basically like i'm not really worried about my performance basically <laughs> because it's totally. very easy to just jump in and do my best and yeah i might screw up sometimes but it's not like you can like blame each other really anyway there's very minimal chat built into it stuff um yeah. so yeah it's it's been nice to have for for that as well from just a, even a perspective of someone who's not new but just wants to play something a little laid back and i gotta say too i'll just slide in here while uh i don't have a problem with like some like waifu stuff happening in games it is kind of pleasant to just play a MOBA where it's not like half the skins in the game are clearly designed to make you horny uh totally there's, there's something about that that Yet. i think is charming in that game oh god <laughs> <laughs> um slow bro I, coming soon um i uh so so i it's it's a it's a barely notable thing because like i yeah. think especially in a game like smite and this is true of League too. Like one, Dota doesn't do that as much as either of those games. And in Smite and League, they're really great art around pretty much mm-hmm. all the skins, even if some of them are a little on the horny side. So I, I just don't like I have a problem, moral problem with it or anything. But there is something about like Pokemon being cute and not um, either like brooding emo dudes or sexy ladies. That's kind of kind of pleasant. <laughs> yeah, I mean frankly the trope for a lot of MOBAs is weld within the fantasy genre like to like varying degrees like smite i would still consider in the fantasy genre oh it's still Um, yeah i mean it's mythology but it's fantasy yeah like you still you get into like some super monday night combat stuff which is maybe a little less fantasy but and just stuff that's within that genre typically falls into those kind of paradigms which you know it just happens it's something you just kind of have to accept at some point but you're right pokemon lends itself to just being like oh we're just gonna do some funny clever takes on these characters that you know and love yeah so like that's all good all right so yeah the first take was like the kind of casual players new players stuff like that five stars play it the second take because i have two opinions is when it comes to being uh for competitive players 
like if you intend to climb the rank ladder all the way up to master or just wherever you want to set your own goals, like you want to get deep into the mechanics and things like optimal combinations and team and lane compositions and counter picks and you know the proper ways to stack abilities and things of that nature. Like so I find the stacking ability stuff fun because like maximizing your stun time so you're not like mm-hmm. hitting someone with three stuns so they're only stunned for a second. Whereas if you stacked them. They might be stunned for like five seconds, you know, stuff right. like that. Making someone want to uninstall the game, basically. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think when you're coming at Pokemon Unite from that side, it's not as good. But sure. But the thing is, the game itself actually holds up pretty well at the higher level. Like the mechanics remain pretty engaging. Surprisingly well from what I've seen. Yeah. Like the speed of gameplay and like just the uh the speed of ability execution gets way higher when you're at the higher levels. Um and when the matchmaking hits and you're ha- like you can be having some really evenly matched and just exciting games the kinds where if you lose them it doesn't feel bad because you're like okay we were pretty evenly matched like we made some mistakes you know uh they just they had some couple really good plays they won they totally earned it so like games like that they're awesome but the problems start to come from everything surrounding the actual playing of the game um yeah the first thing is actually one that you mentioned as kind of being a positive, and the built-in communication system is pretty bad for um, yeah. competitive play. Absolutely. Th- there's a total lack of customizability, and there's no just generalized phrases. <laughs> right. So like, um, for those who haven't played it, in the game you basically get a chat wheel, and you get lots of super specific things like going to top lane, going to bottom, middle, uh, attack, retreat, things like that. But there's no simple like yes or no or thank right. you or like my or bad here. or anything like that. I, yeah, like I don't even think there's just like a ping where you can ping yourself. There is. There, okay, uh, okay. there is. You you actually have to tap on the mini map. Okay. Uh, oh right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so you you can like you can do a little bit with that, but it, no. Regardless, it ends up people end up kind of have to trying to make their intentions known. Like as a yes or no by well, using those like by using attack or retreat, but then you don't know if they actually mean retreat or if they actually mean no. Like, yeah. if someone says I'm going top, and then a second or two later someone else says retreat, like you don't know if that means they themselves are retreating or if they're saying no, don't go to top, it's a lost cause. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and the other problem is with that system, and I mean I'm sure you can get better at it, but I found myself constantly going like having to look at the wheel too much to see what I'm saying um, mm. because there is no easy way. If you, if you say the wrong thing in the wheel, there's no easy way to say like, wait, 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 I didn't mean that. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. And so when you're in the heat of it, it's not great. And again, by contrast to something like smite and they high res does this across their games. I don't know if they have it in rogue company, but in, in smite and paladins anyway, they have it. They have a system that they call VGS which you use just um, the you hit the V key to initiate it, and then there's you press a key to go deeper into a voice command menu, and mm. there's basically key combinations, and they let you get extremely specific. There's mm-hmm. I think like fifty or so different things you can say, and you can very effectively play that game. In some cases, there are players, pro players that I've seen that are way faster at communicating with VGS than by talking. That's because awesome they're able to just like rattle off the key combo in under a second. Totally. So you can just sort of roll it um, to say different things. And then the text chat pops up as a voice says the thing. 
So mm-hmm. it's actually like can be faster for players. Some players, it's pretty rare that there are players that are that good at it. But anyway, like I don't have the VGS system memorized very well, so I'm really bad at using it. But my partner knows it really well, so like she can fully communicate with people almost yeah. as effectively as in voice with VGS. That's um, awesome. Whereas yeah. like Pokemon, it's I again you could learn it, but it's pretty uh, dicey to try to have serious communication with people. Yeah. Uh, like it, you're, you're right. Like I, I do have it more memorized now that I've like played a lot of it. Um, like I know towards the top left is how you say going top lane. But the problem is there's so many phrases in that wheel that like if you move your slick or your stick ever so slightly and miss, you're going to potentially say the complete opposite of what you mean. Like um, I'm going top is directly next to retreat. And like if your stick moves a little bit, and you intend to say I'm going top, you might just say retreat, and it's just like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. So, yeah, like, it's, that part of it is also kind of stinky. But, yeah, like, there's a lot of other things I could talk about the chat wheel, which is, it's, we're kind of getting into the deep number stuff, sorry. But, like, you know, if you could have a simple thing, like, missing missing top, or be careful, because you can't warn your teammates if they're going to get five-man ganked. Like, that's, that's a big problem, especially yeah. at high-level and- play. And I think you, I think one could argue that, like, even given the 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 um, what I said about high res games, and if you look at Dota or Smite, like, or Counter Strike, any of any high level game like this, yeah, you got to be on voice chat with your team if you're trying yeah. to play at a high competitive level for sure. Um, Probably, yeah. So I don't, I don't know that it's it's uh, a hugely. Uh, like a huge knock against it but at the same time i think even there have been times when i've been playing with people who clearly don't know what they're doing and mm-hmm. i try to like communicate with them to tell them what to do in pokemon and it's really difficult because of how limited that communication thing is well let me tell you about my second point that makes the yeah. high level matchmaking a little bit rough and that's the actual matchmaking itself because yeah. like i was saying when it's good and those balanced games are fun and great. Like it's it's awesome. You're gonna have a good time with them. Uh, but the problem with the matchmaking is is that it's usually kind of inconsistent at best, and then other times it's just really bad. Like yeah. um, even at like the ultra levels, and I'll, I'll get into levels in a sec. But like I had lots of high level games with straight up just AFK players. Like I don't know if it's bots. I don't know if it's just like some weird way to grind points or whatever but they're literally just afk from minute zero yeah yeah and like you you start to run into lots of rounds with like griefers who would just intentionally feed or make sure the other team wins which is just like why do people do this and like yeah yeah. anyways like the one that uh, ends up being really strange with the high level games in particular like uh, like when you start getting to the top top tiers is you get this really weird mix of ranks where I was in like the veteran and ultra leagues, uh, which are the two before masters. And I would sometimes get people from like beginner level ranks on my team, which it's like, Hey, I'm not disparaging those players, but it's like, it's everybody weird. has to learn. It's just weird because they, yeah. like they become like almost liabilities <laughs> and which yeah, is, yeah, for sure. it's like, if you're trying to have a competitive game with like other high rank players, it's just weird. Like it's, no knock against them. They just don't have the dexterity built up to yeah. compete at those high levels. They might not understand the mechanics and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. you don't have really time to teach them. No. Like, well, there's like, no the, way to teach them. <laughs> it, also that, but like, 
it also ends up that once you're at those levels, like there's only so much you as an individual can do to carry a game. Like, right. yes, you can do well and get lots of kills and assists and even score a lot of points, which is ultimately what wins the game. But for example, if the other team is good and they recognize the weakness in your team and they just start splitting up and then just scoring more goals individually yeah. just in different places in the map and no one else on your team is trying to stop them, then you're just going to lose like because well, of momentum. And and something that this is a minor complaint that I have about the game with the gameplay itself or the structure of the game. Um, and it's tough because I think comeback mechanics are good. So I don't know that it's a bad mm-hmm. thing, but it is frustrating that you can dominate a match and a team can kind of come back and, and crush by getting some good late game plays. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't think that comeback should be possible, but there is a sort of like, I have been in situations where I've been like, what we like lost one fight and then, we lost the game by 200 points, even though we were ahead. Like, mm-hmm. what yep. the fuck? And that is extremely frustrating when it happens. That's probably my biggest frustration with the game as yeah. a game that can occur. And it's exacerbated when you have players who maybe you do. I have had games where I've carried and like managed to rotate enough to to deal with like 1v2 people who are the, the players on their team who are recognizing where the weak spots are. And mm-hmm try to eke out a win and then because at the very end even though we were winning by 50 points or so or whatever at the very end they they get a good zapdos and we're just like totally roasted and it's really <laughs> frustrating that happens totally and at those at the higher levels like uh zapdos control ends up being a thing and you'll actually find in a lot of like ultra and masters games that people don't even touch zapdos like yeah and it's more about zoning people away from for sure it's interesting it seems like it would be an interesting and good mechanic at high level play and it's also Mm. a good mechanic at low level play to award to to make comebacks feel possible Mm -hmm. to keep you from giving up but in that sort of mid-range of play where you're not quite playing at a very high level which is where i kind of have been even though i haven't played a ton of it you're not playing mm-hmm. at a particularly high level, but you're also past the beginner stage. It can just feel kind of frustrating because it's like, totally. oh, they're just going to zap those in the game, even though which, we've dominated the whole match. Which gets exacerbated by the poor communication. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, those, t- those two tie together. And uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up with my biggest problem. Um, and I think this is something they, like... If you look at like Reddits and Twitters and stuff like that, of the people who are playing at high levels, this is a system that everybody is universally saying they need to completely rework. And that is that the game actively punishes you for playing well. Um, so this is gonna this is talking about the player point system. Um, and if you haven't played ranked, the way it works is like I was saying before, there are different levels of ranks. So you start at beginner, then you level up to great expert, veteran, ultra, and master. So like the 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 lowest point of the totem pole is beginner, and then master is at the top, and you're just kind of raising through the levels as you go. So um, each rank itself has like a set of classes that you need to work through, um, and the way that works is like if you start at the very start, which is beginner one, then every time you win, you get a little diamond. And there's three diamonds that you need to fill in. And once you do that, you move up a class. So like you start a beginner one, you win those games, you get those diamonds. Then you go up to beginner, beginner two, so on, beginner three. And then once you win beginner three, you get promoted to the next rank, which is great. So then you're doing great one, great two, great three, great four, uh, and so on and so forth. But after that, you have to make it through five classes instead of three with the higher ones. So, you know, 
uh, right. vet, veteran one, two, three, four, five will promote you up to ultra and stuff like that. So that's the very short version. Um, and I think it's the system in and of itself is okay. Like, I don't think it's the best, but it's fine. It's, they um, use it in Hearthstone. That's where I've yeah. seen it. That yeah, I can remember like, most directly seeing. Yeah. I'll have more thoughts on that after. Like, I, I think it'll, it's fine for like this first season, but if they make master players go through the beginner to grind again, I think that's a failure. They shouldn't. Um, if it, if they continue to do it like Hearthstone and Rocket League, I think does this too, similar system, then you start already at a certain rank. Yeah. And um, if you That's don't fine. play for a full season, then you'll deteriorate back down. But like, mm-hmm. you'll start at like Ultra or something next yeah. season. I don't think Which, you have to grind back yeah. to the beginner. Yeah, like we'll see what ends up happening with this game. Like, I, I would hope they do something like that because I think it'll be a failure if they do make you do everything again without like even a calibration match or I two. think um, I think like the hardest core of players will do it anyway they'll complain probably. while they do it but they'll do it and I think casual <laughs> players don't give a shit so I don't think it'll yep. like kill the game but it'll be, no, it'll be a poor so. choice for sure but yeah so um, back to ranked and the player point system at first glance it's kind of great it's an awesome system like the way it works is after every round you're uh, awarded with a certain amount of these points and they kind of persist between matches basically at your account level Um, where it'll be like, oh, you won the game, here's 10 points. Oh, you got a high score, here's another 20 points. Oh, you're on a win streak, here's an extra 30 points. You know, like it's just giving you these points and you're always accruing them. And if you get enough of them, it'll act as though you got a win. So you have those diamonds at each class, the one, two, three, and then move up. Uh, It'll fill in one of those diamonds for you. It's like, hey, rad, free win, cool. But uh, another thing that it does is that um, if you are losing a lot and you're about to rank down, um, as long as you have a certain amount of points and you're about to drop, like you're going to go from ultra three to ultra two, um, then it will actually do what it calls like rank loss prevention, I think. And it will consume some of those player points uh, to prevent that rank down, which I think it's a cool idea. Um, I also think there's some flaws with that concept, but whatever, it's, it's good enough to still be cool. The problem with the system is how it works at the higher levels, because at the lower levels, you need about a hundred pang, a hundred points to get that like free win. And it's actually pretty generous about how it handles the rank down prevention. Like, um, I think you need like 20 points or something at the lower levels to prevent the rank down, which is cool. It's like, Oh, I was about to go down to uh, great two, but oh, foof, I had that safety net. So, um, at the once you're in ultra, uh, to get that extra diamond, you need 400 points, which is a lot. Um, and each 100 point increment is a rank down prevention, which is cool. Um, that's like basically four safety nets. However, it's cool until you realize you cannot opt out of consuming them. So, if you yeah. reach 400, it is going to do that. And that can be like 20 games. Like it's a long time. And then like, and then all your safety is gone. Exactly. So you're always accruing these player points. So even if you lose games, like you're still getting 10, 20, whatever. And the only time you ever lose any player points is if rank down prevention happens. So for me, like I ran into an, a very particular situation, which I've seen others complain about before where I was at ultra four and to make it into masters, you need to make it through ultra five. So I had two diamonds at Ultra 4 and nearly uh, max player points. 
So I won that next game, which put me at three diamonds, and then the player points rolled over and pushed me into Ultra 5, which it's like, okay, that's cool, but I actually would have opted out of using those because it would have been really nice to make it to Ultra 5 and having four safety nets because exactly what you thought would happen, happened. Uh, When it consumed them, I lost those next two games, which meant it threw me straight back down to Ultra 4, and then I had no more safety net, and then I actually fell down to Ultra 3. Because like I ran into like a string of games with a bunch of AFKs and griefers, and it's just and like <laughs> the problem with systems like that is that it causes you to bounce back and forth between rankings so much, mm. and that's bad for matchmaking because then it doesn't have a very like you should have a pretty decent linear curve to hitting your rank that you are, you know, basically at skill wise, mm-hmm. and then it should level off and become more difficult for you to progress. But ostensibly, if you are sitting at that rank, this is a part of the problem with rank systems in general, is people look at it and go, well, I need to get to the top. The point is, no, you need to get to the point where you're going to have the highest quality matches. Exactly. And as your skill level yep. increases, you should go up. But um, Pokemon's rank system is much more of, it's like Hearthstone in that they make it like a carrot on a stick, which is very frustrating. When the, the you know, obviously I play a lot of iRacing, Mm-hmm. And in iRacing, they do a smart thing where you have your gated. This wouldn't work for Pokemon, so I'm not saying they should do it, but it's interesting. You're gated as to what races you can participate in by your safety rating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has nothing to do with your, it has to do with your driver skill, but it has nothing to do with your MMR. MMR is yep. a separate number. And the way that they avoid this problem is a thing that would seem very harsh. And I think the solution would be to keep the system the way it is for the first, like, I don't know, through great or something. By the mm-hmm. time you're at ultra, they should drop it. Because what happens in iRacing is when you cross a, the, the safety rating is a whole number. Well, it's not a whole number. It's, 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 a, it's a decimal number. So it ranges really anywhere from like one all the way up to four. And, oh, okay. I see. Um, the way that you progress in license classes, if at the end of a 13-week, real-life week season, you're above a three, then you advance to the next highest license. Or you can push your safety rating all the way up to four, and then it instantly advances you to the next level of license. And when you level up in license, you drop back down to 2.5, two, something like that. Um, now, the thing they do to keep you from bouncing, if you drop below one, you get immediately demoted to the next lowest class. And if you're mm. below a two at the end of the season, they drop you class. Um, the, w- the way that they keep you from bouncing around too much is whenever you cross a whole number threshold, so if you go from like 2.86 to 3, it actually bumps you up all the way to 3.4. Hmm. On the flip side, if you come down and you go from a 3.2 to a 2.98, they drop you an extra 0.4 points. Hmm. So that there's always a gap there between you and the number rating and you're always like sort of safely in between numbers. And it seems really harsh (laughs) because you can have a few bad races and drop all the way down. But like that is more effective than having systems in place to keep players who should be at a lower rating from racing with people who are consistently racing at a higher rating. Um, Yeah. And that is those harsher systems when you're talking about high level play are just they just are better for everyone involved because totally if you're somebody who is struggling to keep that rank and just falling repeatedly 
not so much your situation because like you said you're playing with people who are like afks and griefers but if you are if your skill level is ultra two or whatever then you shouldn't be in ultra four but you also shouldn't totally. be pinballing back and forth between ultra three and four and three and one and two either so yeah it's yeah it's yeah so like it it's really nitpicky stuff but it, it's it is if you're going to take those systems seriously and you're going to invest the time it's the kind of stuff you do want to see addressed or kind yeah. of you know like it, it again it's like you don't really want to play with straight up beginners in your high level matchmaking Be, like right. i'm fine with that in like the casual oh, modes yeah. it's like yeah no those are for fun that's for like whatever if we lose who cares but this one it's like man <laughs> it's just annoying so well, yeah and typically ranked play is in you know like i play a little bit of rocket league here and there with some of the people mm-hmm. that i race with and um one of them's really good he plays with us with the, basically a smurf account because mm-hmm. not not so much because yep. he wants to stomp newer players but because we would get in impossible matches yep. if we played with him um, totally and then done, the rest of us I've done are, that in dota yeah the rest of us yeah. are roughly similar skill level um and you know we're like average rocket league players uh and um the like the the i forgot where i was going with this you had said that the pokemon um playing with oh yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say the in rocket league you want to play ranked because you're going to get better quality matches when you play casual people are basically just clowning around like they're like Mm -hmm. trying to score on themselves or it's like really, really good players warming up and you'll just get completely stomped. Um, you get like one in 10 games are actually good in casual. So you usually play one or two to warm up and get get like the controller warmed up in your hands. Uh, yeah. get, get your hands nice stretched. Get, get it nice and toasty. And then you go into ranked because ranked is where the good quality matches are. Um, yep. and, on, and what I find frustrating about these systems in stuff like Pokemon is that because it's such a carrot on the stick approach to ranked play, it's like... Yes, you get higher quality matches, I guess, but it's kind of 50-50. And yeah. it's people bounce around between ranks so much that until you're deep, like at this point, maybe it's shaken out a little bit, but the season's going to be over by the time people are really at the appropriate rank. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's a little, the, the rank system in that game for sure is a little frustrating. If I cared about it yeah. beyond having fun casually, it would be quite frustrating i could never do the grind that you did because i know i would get really mad at it uh. <laughs> yeah like i kind of i kind of did it just as an experiment just to see yeah like poke at the system see how hard it goes and like just to have the conversation we just had to know like yeah. okay what parts and of it are good and bad and what what can be improved and what what kicks ass so what's good about it is the core gameplay is really solid in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah um, absolutely. it's definitely one of my favorite games of the year um and so i think all of those things are like the for a game that I know it had betas, you played in the betas, but yep. for a game that didn't have an extensive open beta period, um, I think these issues are actually pretty minimal compared to a lot of games, and I think there's ways that they can adjust and improve them. And the fact that frankly it's not Nintendo making this game and it's Tencent makes me mm-hmm. more inclined to believe they will work on these issues. Yeah. And it won't just stagnate. And uh, so I'm hoping that they they solve some of these problems in the in the future, and um and and that some of the issues shake themselves out. The one thing that I actually think they need more than anything else is a better player reporting system, 
a hundred percent. That's the, that's the biggest issue. That's actually part of why I started to play less was because I encountered people who were like, you're saying like just intentional griefers. And it's like, I can't even feel like I'm doing much of anything to prevent this person from doing this in the future, which is very frustrating. Yeah. The reporting system's not great though. I will say, um, if someone AFKs, which happens more than you would expect, um, the game does seem to detect that they were AFK. So if you report them at the end, you automatically get a message back that says, hey, this person has lost 10, uh, whatever they call it, respect points or whatever, uh, fair yeah, play points. Yeah. So, which And at is, least they have that fair play system in place. Uh, yeah, at least. <laughs> I won't say yeah. it's the best, but like, yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah, conclusion, if you're playing it casually, playing it with friends, having it, doing it for fun, using it to learn, excellent game. Uh, ranked system has good ideas but some poor execution that they could totally iron out um it's just at the moment the rank system i don't know if it's worth fully dedicating to and getting to masters but if you do the the game quality does go up even though you do still run into some bullshit (laughs) yeah uh so yeah good game flawed game but still really good game yeah um well we'll all break we'll we'll do a little back and forth speaking of some ranked systems and how they work um i think i've i've been playing a little bit of a game called hunt showdown oh yeah um which is a game that has been around for quite a while now it was in early access for a long time and um and has been out of early access for like a year or so now at least mm-hmm. uh and the initial pitch on it was like battle royale with pve elements um and i always wanted to get into it because sort of horror western stuff is very high on my list of favorite aesthetics um and that is totally this game i mean this game is like you're using six shooters and winchester rifles that they call winfields but whatever uh and um and shooting zombies and gross water monsters and demons and stuff um and uh it's it's like very up my alley from that perspective but uh it never really clicked for me because i always it was a mixture of like being kind of afraid of some of the boss mechanics and then also just being terrified of of losing stuff because it's a game where when you die you lose stuff so structurally if you haven't seen this game it's a game where you are basically you have a hunter that you equip with a loadout of weapons and perks and stuff and then you match make and you're dropped onto this map and it's designed for teams of three but you can play as a solo or duo also which i'll get into in a couple minutes but the then the goal once you get onto the map is you're looking around the map for clues which are these sites that are glowing on your screen when you use your detective vision or whatever which this game has um they call it dark sight uh so you go to these sites you investigate the clue and then the whole time there's a bunch of pve enemies mostly they're like simple zombies but there's also like dogs that are scary and can make a bunch of noise if you get near them they'll attack you um there's noise traps like crows and and um horses Mm -hmm. that are laying down and near death that can go crazy if you walk near them um it's all pretty rough dark stuff uh yeah not for the faint of heart because it's it's pretty brutal um and uh, you're avoiding all these enemies or dealing with them however getting these clues the clues lead you to a boss which is 
usually completely terrifying. Um, things like a horrific spider kind of made out of fused corpses and like God. there's like a, a <laughs> butcher guy that wears a pig head on his head and uh, we fought this like bird lady last night that's really freaky and can throw down uh, concertina wire all over the place which is like razor wire uh, and um, the the uh, you, you you kill the boss and then try to banish the boss, which is you have to sit near the corpse for a while. And as you do it, all the players in the match are alerted to the fact that you're banishing the boss so they can all come try to kill you. Once the mm -hmm. boss has been banished, you take their coins and then you try to escape the match uh, through one of the exits. So, uh, so it's, a, it's a win condition. Yes, yes. Okay, um, got it. The thing about the game that's interesting, what I didn't realize is how much Escape from Tarkov kind of took influence from Hunt Showdown. Um, I don't know that Tarkov would have, I, I assume that Hunt was a huge influence on them even making Tarkov in the first place, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Because what I didn't understand is in Hunt, you can also completely just like get some clues, kill some enemies and extract. You don't actually have to go for the boss if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, at a certain point, it doesn't make sense to play if you're not going to do that. But like you can definitely go in and just try to level up a character. And that's important because when your characters die, they're gone. You have to start a new character over, basically. Hmm. Um, and that sounds awful, probably, to a lot of people. But um, the way the characters work, they actually level pretty fast. So you don't necessarily lose a dozen hours when a character mm -hmm. dies. You might lose like a couple hours of working on that character. But you're also doing this kind of meta progression where as you're winning you're gaining money and unlocks that you can then put on your new characters to kind of help them early on. So you're always sort of progressing. You're not like going backwards really ever in terms of progression. Um, so the permadeath though does add a layer of like, I really don't want to die. It does make you, it's, it's just enough to make you kind of go, I really don't want to lose all my stuff. So I'm going to yeah. try. Well, it's kind of like an XCOM kind of thing yep. yeah. yeah it makes it tenser and for the first 10 ranks which i'm still in actually of the like overall meta progression you don't lose characters when you die but i'm at yep. rank nine so i'm gonna hit 10 soon here and then my characters will be at risk um, but also in three games i've leveled a character to level 40 and the max cap for each character is 50 so that gives you any indication like it, yeah there were three very good games but um but it's not like it takes dozens of hours to level character. It's, I've probably spent two hours on this character and they're already level 40. So um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Could be worse. So anyway, the thing about it that I think if you've looked at this game before and found it too daunting as a single player, they've done some really cool things. I don't know how recent all these things are. Cause I hadn't really tried to get into it in like a year and maybe some of this stuff was in there then. And I didn't notice it. I didn't try very hard, but, um, the first thing is now there's a whole single player mode. So if you want to play it single player, there's a bunch of unlocks you can get that will transfer to, well, in fact, they're only really useful in multiplayer. So you can play a bunch of single player. You can explore the maps and fight the PVE enemies. There's challenges that are like parkour challenges where you're running through the, these, these um, checkpointed races. Um, mm. There's shooting challenges where they put you like, in a tower and you have to fight waves of enemies and stuff. There's all kinds of cool ways to practice single player now. And as you do it, you unlock like, 
oh, you leveled your trial rank to to ten, so you got a revolver for free that's now in your loadouts. Um, and so, are are would that revolver unlock be global for any future characters? Like you just mm-hmm. have that at your account level? Okay. Yeah. So what it what it does is it just puts it in your inventory. So you're getting like a free gun basically that you would normally have got to it. buy. You could lose it if you die. Um, but, uh, but, but the, the, it, it's giving you stuff that the single player is at least, um, having an impact on the larger game. So it's not just a practice right. mode. Okay. Um, and that stuff's pretty cool. And then the bigger thing for me, there had always been, or for not always, but for a long time, there has been a solo mode, which is kind of cool where, you play more of a traditional battle royale where you have like 20 players or something and the last mm. player standing and it's all solo players and the last player standing gets to keep the, their hunter. Like when you load in, it gives you a, a hunter that's got a random loadout and the player that wins gets to keep them and add them to their roster and they start cool. off with like a higher level. So that mode's been in there for a while and it's cool enough, but I liked the idea of playing the main mode with less than three people. And what they've done now, and this is kind of dovetail off of the matchmaking conversation about Pokemon, you can see your MMR just like on the screen in the lobby mm-hmm. screen, and it displays as like pips from one to five, and it goes to half pips too. Um, and you can actually look at a graph, and I'm not positive if the graph is of all players or just players online, but it'll show you the bell curve of players and their MMRs. You can see that like most players have a four out of five and I think it's currently online. Um, and when you group up with other players, it'll show your team's MMR. So you can compare that to the graph and see where you're at compared to most players. And it kind of helps you to determine like how my matches, your match is going to look in terms of players. Cause if there's no one on it, your MMR, you can expect to have to play people of a slightly higher MMR. Um, mm-hmm. But at least you kind of know where the player base is at currently in terms of MMR. And then right. on top of that, um, it <clears throat> averages the team's MMR. So like, for instance, last night, I have like a 2.5 and one of my friends, same, same rating, because we're both pretty low level. And we played with a friend of ours who is very high level. And he has like a 4, I think, um, mm-hmm. or a 4.5 or something. And it averages out our MMR using that team MMR thing. So we were at like, a 3.5 or something. Yeah. And I think that's smart. I think yeah. That's pretty smart. And then, um, and I don't think it would be smart necessarily if we were talking about like esports competition, but at esports sure. level one, I don't think this game is really designed for that or fits that particularly well. And then on top of that, everyone would be a five. <laughs> you wouldn't totally. be playing with 2.5 level players. Um, yeah, which that that's where the problem, well, not the problem, but you start seeing that with Dota matches where uh, back when it was purely numerical, like now they use the kind of rank system. But when it was like above 5.5K, at some point, everyone was just really good. So the actual yeah. number didn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> and so um, in this case, we're talking about just trying to create like high quality matches for players. And what's really interesting and cool is when you play duo or solo, it actually makes your team MMR lower than your average MMR. And so that you get ranked with three player teams yeah. that are of a lower skill level than you. Right. Cause which, they have the advantage of 
having potential communication and and three uh, people yeah. frankly three bodies exactly. there's extra people yep. to revive each other and stuff so what that means is it makes it feel like way more way less daunting to jump into a match as a solo player because it's like oh well i'm going to be playing with people that are i'm relatively new i'm okay at the game so far but um i'm going to be matched with people who are a little lower skilled than me and it interestingly kind of solves not that this would work for a lot of other games but it solves the problem that a lot of people have with skill-based matchmaking systems um like in call of duty the last few years there's been huge outrage from a section of the community which is in my opinion silly anyway and they're wrong but there's this frustration <laughs> around skill-based matchmaking because people want to pub stomp basically they don't want to be ranked with people of their skill they when they play call of duty they want to just ruin everybody else's night by destroying them and yeah that is in my opinion a kind of shitty mentality in the first place but yeah what a system like this in hunt showdown lets you do is if you want to be a solo player and go fight a bunch of lower skilled players you can totally do that but then you're also disadvantaging yourself in terms of um like you like you said like like teams that could communicate and potentially take you out and people who can revive each other and stuff so mm. it it's it feels like a the good revival. trade-off the revival is probably a big part of it yeah yeah because you know you don't necessarily find people who are always communicating with each other anyway you kind of mm. want to avoid using the in-game communication because it's proximity and everyone's proximity. Talking, yep. totally. Um, which can lead to some fun stuff. So anyway, all this stuff aside, that's part of, or all that stuff is part of why I've had an easier time getting into it this time. I've played a few games this week. The first one was solo, two good ones. The first one was solo, and I actually managed to kill the spider boss and extract its coin myself. Um, nice. In that game, I didn't see any other players. Which is because of the other thing that I didn't understand before is that these games are only twelve players. I never realized mm. that. I thought that they were like hundred player matches or something. Oh, okay. And yeah. or not that much, but like many players. So yeah. I was always terrified. But there are only twelve players, which makes it feel a lot less daunting because it's like, totally. oh, there's at most four squads or you know six duos or yeah. you know a mix is really what it comes what it what it's going to be. Um, yeah. That sounds fine. That sounds less intimidating. Yes. Uh, and then um, a couple of friends and I also played a game where we, uh, last night, where we managed, we did the whole process of the game where we managed to go from place to place to find clues. At one point, we heard people shooting, which is another huge thing that this game nails perfectly. All the guns have a slightly different sound. They all sound really good. And you can mm -hmm. actually identify what kinds of guns people are using if you're good and listen closely. Totally. And you can you, tell how far away they are, too. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of PUBG. Like, yep. um, that game was really good for that, where you could tell when exactly what sniper rifle someone was using yep. by the sound. So, yeah, that's And great. because this game is in no way, shape, or form about loot, um, instead it's all about bringing your loadouts in. I mean, you find consumables in the environment and you find ammo but it is not about looting containers. So it means that you can be really focused on stuff and you can really like the fact that they have that sniper rifle means that they brought it in. So you yeah. know, oh, they brought a sniper rifle in that took up a large slot in their inventory. So, so you if we can get close, on, yeah. we know that they don't have any close range weapons. They might have like a sawn off or a revolver, but that's not going to be as good as if they had a, you know, full size shotgun or something for up close or sure. whatever. Um, 
So that stuff's really cool. So we played a game where we were getting the clues. We heard some some close shooting at one point and took cover and tried to watch for them. Um, we had to open up on a meathead, which is one of these gross monsters that drops leeches. Um, and Sick. Uh, you have to be very careful about how you decide when to fight the PvE enemies because enemies can hear you, obviously. So if you just mm-hmm. go loud and shoot at a bunch of zombies, then they know you're there, uh, the other players. So yep. we eventually got to the boss area and there were two squads there that hadn't seen each other, but they both saw us and they both started shooting at us. And then they realized that they were both there and at the boss area. And so, and they had already started fighting the boss. And uh, so then we took cover and we were able to systematically take out both squads. I think it was two squads of two mm-hmm. and um, then move in, take out the boss, take the coins and extract. Uh, and then, the third game that I played that was awesome was we happened, this is with our, my friend who's, who's, who's really good at it. We spawned and the first clue location we went to happened to be where the boss was. So we found the boss immediately, killed the boss immediately, and then started banishing and got the coins. But because it was so fast, it tells everybody where you are once you've killed the boss when you're banishing. Right. So then everyone was like, oh, shit, we just have to go there. So we're holed up in this boss building with all the doors locked up with traps in front of all of them. Basically just like avoiding the windows. But there's a bunch of like little holes that they can shoot through if they can see you through the walls. So you have to be very careful how you move around. And there's just like gunfire outside hails of bullets as other players shoot it out to try to like get into a position to take us out and we're Mm -hmm. like what do we do do we want to do we want to run do we want to pull up here and turtle so we ended up staying and then eventually the people who killed the other boss because there's two bosses on every map okay we saw them on you can sort of see players who have on the map who have bounty tokens the things you get for killing the bosses. They're little lightning bolts on the map. And you can't see their exact location, but you can see an approximate location of where they are. And mm-hmm. one of the guys is like, the other bounty people are coming here. <laughs> and we were like, oh shit, they're going to try to take our, our counters. And uh, at one point, we like after the game, we realized one of them is actually a streamer. I don't think he was streaming the game we were in, but mm. uh, they were definitely like on the higher end of the, the player skill for the match. And so we ended up sitting in that warehouse for 20 minutes, waiting it out with them. And they were like talking to us, not in a shitty way. They were just kind of taunting, like, you can stay in there all night and like, Mm -hmm. you should come on out. And it was very funny. And we eventually managed to kill all of them, take their bounty coins that they had gotten from the first, from the boss they killed and Mm -hmm. extract. So we ended up with a clean sweep of the full map and got like God, the full rewards sick. that you could possibly get. And it was awesome. <laughs> and it was, it came from like an extreme degree of patience because we were just sitting in there, like they would come up and open one of the doors. And like the best moment was there was a point where two of them were outside with the door open, but it was trapped. So they didn't want to walk in because they knew that we would, you can jump over the traps, but then you're like, kind of at a disadvantage because you're jumping and it's very easy to just kill you while you're in midair jumping. So my one friend was sitting there, shot and killed one of them that was carrying a bounty coin. And then the other one of them tried to come and res the person, but um, 
so they kept closing this door and I was sitting next to the door opening it every time they close it. And on voice, the guy was like, please stop doing that. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's great. And, uh, and, and then he had to give up on reviving his friend and they just bled out because he couldn't get a safe spot to revive them from. Cause my other yeah. friend was just sitting there looking at the shotgun. Um, and there was like a door on top of the building that they could come in through, but we couldn't climb out of. It was like a one way you drop in and you're done. So we had to keep watching that because they kept opening it and kind of poking their heads in. And I shot a couple of them from there. It was just a really great standoff where they were, and they had a shotgun with ammunition that could fire through the wall too. So if they knew where we were near the wall, then they could just shoot through the wall and the bullets would penetrate and kill you. So it was like a, just a very tense standoff for like 20 minutes with some pretty good natured banter back and forth. We were like, the guy was like, thanks for the bounty coin after we killed the person that had the coin and grabbed it. Uh, and it was just a really, really cool experience all around. That game is one of those sorts of things where if you can try to get a little bit of, like if you can try to get in and have it click at all, then it mm-hmm. creates a lot of very unique experiences. Yeah, games with like that with really good emergent gameplay are fascinating. Like, yeah. the, it's kind of that was what made things like PUBG so appealing when they first came out um of those kinds of moments of those kinds of like stories that you can tell people of like oh Absolutely. we were hold up hold up in the air the air base and then we got into this big firefight then a bunch of zombies heard it and came running over but it's like yeah like this sounds much smaller in scale and but in a lot of ways more dynamic yes um, and i which think realizing great that scale is really what helped me to realize that it's something that i really like and Tarkov is a very similar thing, um, more focused on mm-hmm. loot, uh, but mm-hmm. it has a very similar scale. And I find those kinds of emergent games more interesting at this point than something, you know, I still enjoy like playing. Call of Duty. Yeah, I still enjoy stuff like Call of Duty, but yeah. I think it's part of why I'm very excited for Battlefield because it kind of merges yeah. that emergent gameplay with more Hell yeah. simple, you know, go here, shoot people stuff. It, so. it, it's, it's like the emergent gameplay in Battlefield is just chaos. <laughs> yes yeah. and it looks like, like the this, new one's gonna be that to a t god i'm so excited for that yeah for sure um but yeah i don't know hunt showdown it's it's like 50 percent off right now which is yeah, kind of cool too um good. i i think it's a good one if you like multiplayer games and you can you can hang with the horror elements it's a good one to just have in your library um even if yeah. i don't know that i'm gonna continue to play it every couple days for months but it's a good one to dip into here and there um, yeah for, for for me like it sounds way more appealing to play that than something like back for blood or left for dead like the, absolutely yes. like the, like those like this isn't just to randomly dig on those but like they kind of it sounds like they occupy a similar space in a steam library where like someone will be like what game do you want to play tonight and it's like oh we haven't played hunt yeah. showdown in a while let's go let's yeah. play some of that like it, it's kind of one of those games rather than a, like okay every Tuesday and Thursday we're going to get together and play this Absolutely. game like super hard. Like, no, it's like, yeah, if you're going to have like a one-off, like, yeah, let's, let's play a couple rounds of this. Then it sounds it's, great for that. It's complex enough that I wouldn't want to, um, be away from it. You have to, it's not that you couldn't be away from it, but you do have to spend the initial time with it to, mm-hmm. to kind of grasp the mechanics, I think. Oh, sure, and I'm sort of totally. still doing that because there's still a lot of weapon mechanics. I don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, again, it's also got to be, you have to hang with the horror aesthetic and you have to be able to, like, my, I have a silenced pistol right now that's really good because silenced weapons are very good in this game for dealing with the PvE enemies. 
Oh, um, they take a fairly big hit in terms of their capabilities against players because right. the silencers reduce their damage. I want to say, but yeah. um, they're, Usually, they're yeah. really good against PVE enemies because if you shoot a zombie in the head, it doesn't matter if you, your gun doesn't do that much damage; it'll kill it. So, yeah. um, and other players aren't going to hear you. So, right. Um, and otherwise, you have to use melee to deal with them. So you're either using like crossbows or silenced guns or melee. Anyway, though, this silenced gun to reload it. When I hit reload, if the chamber, if the, the, the whole chamber is empty, it's like spins the spins the chamber, puts one bullet in, rotates. One bullet in, rotates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one bullet in, rotates. Like if you can't deal with that kind of, I like I have a, a yeah. Springfield rifle right now that you you have to reload it after every shot, and the reload animation is like chamber open, bullet in, chamber closed, and then bolt that works the bolt. It's like yeah. very methodical deliberate. and deliberate yeah. in terms of the combat and pacing with the weapons. But totally. if you can't deal with that, it's probably not for you. But it, if, if you like all that stuff uh, and you like the horror aspect, I think it's totally worth picking up, even as a solo player at this point. There's enough what, to do. So what you're saying is it's the Dark Souls of Battle Royales. <laughs> <laughs> I still would give that crown to Tarkov because Tarkov yeah. is like, the thing about Hunt Showdown is you spend, like I was saying, you spend like a couple hours grinding out a character with a few good matches. And then if they die, it's like, okay, well, I also gained like 10 player ranks in that time or whatever and unlocked a bunch of stuff um, yeah. that'll make it easier next time. Tarkov is like, I spent 40 hours grinding out this like God tier gun that I've built from 35 different parts. And then... I spawned and died immediately to a scav and it's gone <laughs> and there. I mean, you can insure stuff in Tarkov so that it, you get it back, but you only get it back if a player doesn't loot it. So <laughs> it's Tarkov is, is very rough. It's a very cool game, but it's, it is extremely totally. brutal. Speaking of, uh, I don't know, getting one no scope, one shot from people across the match map. Uh -huh. You've yeah. been playing a strategy game about people. <laughs> well, before jumping into that, I have one other little note about uh, you mentioned skill-based matchmaking in Call of Duty. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to interrupt, but um, so I actually heard one case that made sense to me against skill-based ma skill matchmaking, uh, and it actually came from uh, Bread Radio, listening mm -hmm. to um greg greg Toplisky, who's the co-host of that kind of talking about why specifically he wasn't into it because he's more in the competitive side of things and uh plays relatively high level cod um and the thing he says is sometimes he gets hot and cold with the game where it's like he'll play for like two months straight and get to a really high like skill level like hidden mmr or whatever you want to call it and he's like i'm gonna take a six month break and that skill doesn't that number doesn't deteriorate at all. And it's like he jumps back in six months later and then he's playing against like really high level players, even though he's really rusty and hasn't played for like a long time. Um, and even if it's just doing casual matches or whatever, it's still using that hidden MMR. And it's like, in that case, the skill-based matchmaking does kind of suck in that. Like, yeah. you, like you, you never have a chance to play against, you know, like not to say like stomping a game and, uh, poning a bunch of noobs is always the best thing because you know when you're on the other end of that it kind of sucks. But like you know, 
time does happen and real lives do happen. And, you know, sometimes like you might play, be really hot and heavy on a game for a month and then you don't touch it and you want to come back and just maybe restart. But yeah. So that's like yeah. the one case I've heard in people complaining about skill-based matchmaking that made, to- made some sense to me. Yeah. And nothing against Greg either, but I, I would say I still am always going to defer to the people who are like not sweaty at the game wanting them to have a good time and like my argument to that would be if you play if you're getting back into the game if you play for a couple of nights and get stomped by people that are at that level your number Mm -hmm. will drop so is it like better for you to have to is it better for the number to deteriorate over time so that then you jump back in and stomp some people getting back into it and getting your level up Mm -hmm. or is it better for you to jump back in and maybe ruin their games or is it better for you to jump back in and you have the bad games while you get stomped and your number drops? It's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I don't that's know. True. That's it, totally fair. It, 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 it's a hard balance. It, it just always, again, I'm not talking about Greg, nothing against any, any of our friends in the podcasting world, <laughs> video game podcast world, but every single argument that I've heard in, against skill-based matchmaking always comes down to, I don't want to have the bad time, I want you to have the bad time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's hard fair. for me to to like feel to support that argument i guess um and and i get it that's kind of why i've always been in favor of it but i think that's a better angle for sure than i've seen from people who clearly are just like i want to kill people and not have it be hard Uh, yeah totally which is true of most of the complainers yeah anyways strategy games (laughs) So yeah, I have not, I haven't played a ton of this game, but uh, like a couple hours, which for some games is a lot for a game like 12 minutes. That sounds like it's too much time. Um, but for, <laughs> sorry, I had to get a dig in cause I haven't been here for a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. 12 minutes. 12 minutes sounds terrible. Um, it's not very good. <laughs> no. Um, I've seen some people that really like it and I'm sorry if my shit talking has been offensive to you. I just think that game sucks ass. I've I've not seen many people who are into it. I've seen people who are okay. I, <laughs> I haven't played twelve minutes, and I'm not going to talk about it for more than like thirty seconds. But yeah, I've like mostly seen people who were like, "Oh, this was kind of interesting for the first forty five minutes," and then after that, they're like, "Oh, this is tedious." And um, also, what the fuck? And also, <laughs> that's not even getting into the the stuff. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I've been playing a little bit of Humankind. Uh, I also played which, a little bit of this. Oh, nice. I didn't know you did. Cost cool. Oh. Yeah. Um, I played it. I was intending to play it ever since I saw the trailers come out because mm-hmm. I like 4X games. I like Civ. Um, and I was like, oh, this is like, it looks like kind of, it's Sega who made it. And it, it's it actually like, the, they published it. And oh, the they developers are Amplitude Studios, which are the designers oh, of Endless Space and of Endless Legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes which is one of sense, my favorite actually. strategy developers. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't realize it was Amplitude. That makes a mm-hmm. lot of sense. Um, cool. Well, yeah, because like I was interested in it because you don't really get a lot of high-budget, really intense systems 4X games these days as yeah. much as you used to. Like, they're far and fewer between. They're, they're, you still find them if you kind of look at like the really niche developers and like the niche communities, but they're usually not like sega caliber things right right and and i think it's because for access just kind of cornered the market on that like yeah because they perfected it 
there's plenty of arguments you can make about which Civ is better. And yes, when Civ games mm-hmm. come out, they're usually kind of not as good as the previous one while they build up yeah. expansions and stuff. But and they're all was, always at least good. What was, uh, what was the the space one that they put out? Was Beyond Earth. Beyond Earth. That wasn't very good. No, um, that was probably the weakest one. But I mean, but that's one like week the, the, one out of seven games. Yeah, like they, it, which is just to say they can miss. Um, yeah. And same with like XCOM Chimera Squad, which I think was also a Firaxis game. That game wasn't very good. Um, but, but regardless, like Forex games, when they're good, they're good. And I would say humankind is good. It's interesting. It's, it, it's, it's, it's fine. Like yeah. I would say it is kind of like how we were talking about Dota to Pokemon unite, how it's taking a very complex game and simplifying it. I would feel that humankind is like more simplified Civ. Like not to say it's that same level of sim- simplification. It's just it's much more streamlined in a lot of ways. Um but yeah. it, it also has a different focus. Like yeah. um it, which it's using a lot of similar systems like you're still building up science and you're building up your population and you're taking tiles around you and there's territory control and stuff. But that's kind of just 4X games in general. But like this game is very, very, very clearly influenced by Civ in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is good. I think if you're going to take uh, influence from something, take it from the best. Like uh, there's definitely like, yeah, Endless Legend is its own thing. Stellaris is its own thing. Like Sins of a Solar Empire. Like you, there's lots of stuff you can pull from uh alpha centauri if you want to stay within sid meyer space like galactic civ or you know like there's there's tons of stuff you europa universalis those games are great but this one is very clearly civ but not civ (laughs) um and i would say a couple hours in i don't feel the need to do that one more turn that you get with civ yeah that's where i fell too it's like it's it's fine but it just feels like the stuff you're working towards is either um, ambiguous and random enough to where you don't feel like you have that much control in that there's like lots of random mm-hmm. events that just pop up. It's like, oh, uh, in the early, like, like I'll stick with the early ages. It's like, oh, you found someone like you have now made a city and it's the first city that's ever existed because uh, you're coming from like the Neanderthal ages, essentially um, going from villages or like uh, tribal communities into towns into cities into whatever and like oh we're now in cities we're now in these established homes and this one guy this one guy he found a bunch of mushrooms and he's been hoarding them what do we do do we yeah. kick him out of the village do we let him stay in the tribe do we really like, oh awesome where'd you find these or like you know like you're just given these choices but like it's very driven like that in kind of like an FTLE kind of way to yeah. where um it's hard to predict what you're going to do <laughs> and which is fine. I don't mind it, but like Civ, the whole thing is you were working down tech trees. You were like, okay, I'm going to aim for this kind of society and like, I'm going to uh, yeah. build my tech tree in this very specific way. That's going to min max like how I intend to win. Whereas this one, it's like you're kind of doing everything all at once and then you're getting these random events that kind of push you in random directions, which is fine. Even, but even the structure of it is such like Civ, one of the first things you learn when you start Civ is how to win. Like if, if Civ, oh, one, sure. of the, one of the things that I think of when I play 4X games is I want, and this is a personal preference. This is not necessarily, this is more of a taste thing. I want it to feel like a board game that would be mm. way too complicated to actually play in real oh, life absolutely. with way too many numbers. And that's what Civ does is it has a very 
clear set of rules that you can read from start to finish if you go through the whole <laughs> encyclopedia Sith- within Sith. Sithpedia. Yeah. That's what um, it's called in game, I think. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. And um and from there it becomes a very it's a strategy game. You you say from the start, okay, I'm gonna play Byzantines and I'm gonna focus oh, yeah. military and I'm gonna yeah. I'm going to side focus on some science and that's gonna be my strategy for this game. And then you play yeah. your strategy out. With humankind, I don't know it may be that there's a point you get to where you have a similar relationship with it, but certainly mm-hmm. from the beginning it's like, I don't know, man. Just go yeah. play some games, so, man. Put a yeah. sit down. It's pretty looking. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's weird. Uh, well, yeah. When you mentioned the Byzantine thing, yeah, like you're picking that from the start, but in humankind, you're just starting very neutral. Like you're just starting as yeah. a society. And Which then I once actually you think reach, is a cool it's, twist. It's a good idea. It's a cool idea. And then once you reach a certain age, you can pick like, oh, I want to be like Egyptian or like this Chinese army or uh, civilization or like Byzantines or whatever. But the problem I ran into is I got there a little late so like half yeah. of those were gone. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the one I would have picked is just gone at this point. Okay. <laughs> just like, that yeah. was weird. <laughs> and it happens again. I don't know if you got to the point where you hit the next like cultural yeah. jump. Yeah. That's around the time I sort of petered off. But like it, it does have interesting ideas around like you can maintain that ancient civilization going forward and get mm-hmm. certain bonuses. Or you can go, okay, well Evolve. now I started as Egyptians, but my culture is going to change to um, – to the British or something. Sure. Um, and it's one, it feels weird because for a game that has so many narrative elements, I don't really understand the narrative yeah. of my Egyptians who built magnificent pyramids waking up one day and going, What if we built a big clock instead? <laughs> chip, chip. And it's like, ah, What, why did we go from being Egyptian to English? Uh, well, to be fair, you do kind of get that in Civ too with the wonders. <laughs> you do, but but it's for sure. but it's less it's less narrative-y. Exactly, yeah. that's the thing is the wonders feel more like again like board game pieces. They feel yeah. more like things that you draw from a deck and go, oh, I'm going to play this card. Um, whereas in Humankind, it does seem like they want you to feel like there's a narrative behind your mm-hmm. your progression, which I think is cool. It's a it different is. kind of game, but I think it's cool. Um, but it does feel it was very jarring. I ended up keeping Egyptians because I felt weird just like totally 180ing our culture to going from like um, you know, like master craftspeople to brutal imperialists felt like a yeah. weird <laughs> switch. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then the other thing that I think is a little frustrating with humankind is in Civ, they make it very clear early on that like your cities are your um they're pieces on a board. They're like very important. And there's also a balance you have to strike between how many cities you have and how many resources you have to support them and stuff. Yeah. And the connections between them. If like Civ six, yeah, the, the routes between them and stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and it's not that it's an easy concept to grasp, but it does feel like there is something to get your head around there. Whereas in humankind, your settlements like start as outposts and it's, it's not immediately clear. I'm sure there's a reason if I went digging. It's not immediately clear why I would want a city over an outpost or like when it makes sense to leave a city as an outpost and not advance it to a city. And yep. then on top of yeah. that, it doesn't feel like totally. there's a clear building progression once you have a city. There's like buildings you can make, but in Civ it's like, 
I'm going to rush a granary in this city because I want it to be a population center. This city is more of a military outpost. I don't really care that much about its population growth. So I'm just going to put walls up as soon as I can. And it feels, again, like you are playing a strategy video game. Whereas humankind to me felt much more like they were like, I don't know, do you want to put some gardens here? They might be cool if you put gardens in this place and you put a factory over here. And I was kind of like, okay, I know this is increasing my, I forget what they call it in this game. It's called FIDS in, uh, oh, yeah. in the Endless Games. It's different in this it, one. I think it, in dust. It's, <laughs> it's, it's similar. There's like another acronym. Yeah. But um, I can't remember either. And, and so it, it, I just didn't feel like I had much strategy behind how I was building my cities out. Um, yeah. And it, it was a little like, I don't know. It was a little frustrating. I also don't particularly like the way that they handle combat in this game, which is yeah, it kind of turns into a mini battle on some hex boards. Yeah, I did um, a little bit of it, but it was weird. <laughs> and um, where I'm going with all this, do you play much Endless Legend? No, not really. This game, I'm sure there are tons of number tweaks under the hood. I'm sure there's a lot of things they've done to develop it out, but this game feels very much like a sieve skinned endless legend from the first mm. couple hours. Endless legend has a very similar city construction system and it also has very similar combat and it also has lots of the random events. And I think with endless legend, it works for me real hard because it's like you pick a culture from the start and it's fantasy stuff. So it's, and they have a very interesting view of fantasy, just like they have a very interesting view of sci-fi. So it's like, oh, I'm playing crystal people who their cities are just like things they plop down in the crystals they plop down in the dirt that exponentially yeah. grow. And it's totally different mechanically than the human nomad faction. And so it feels more like you're playing a role-playing game in Endless Legend. Mm -hmm. um, or to use the board game example again, it's like the difference between something like root and something like um i don't know uh scythe is a bad example because that's closer to root the difference between something like scythe the root and i guess risk risk isn't a very good game but well sure. not as good a game as civilization but we'll, we'll use it as an example here where it's almost less about winning the game and more about how interesting all of the pieces fit together and so i think it really clicks for me with endless legend whereas with humankind it just feels a little meandering. And I got to a point where I was like, you know, I think I'd rather just go start a game of Endless Legend because I, yeah. I, I get and very similar stuff out of it and it feels more interesting to me. For, for That was actually very similar to my conclusion where it's like, I kind of want to just go see what the expansions for Civ 6 have been like because yeah. I haven't dived, yeah. dived, dove deep into those with the, with the weather stuff and the like. But like humankind isn't bad i imagine no. if this was someone's like very first introduction to the genre it would actually be a pretty good streamlined um experience where you can kind of get away yeah. with a lot like it's it's not as punishing as like other 4x's um like because like the thing with civ for me especially like if there's a new one like like the first rounds of civ 4 versus 5 versus 6 you kind of know you're gonna lose where you're you don't understand all the mechanics from the start and um, like you don't realize until 30, 40, 100 turns in, they're like, oh, I made a really big mistake at like turn seven. 
okay, next time I play, I'm not going to have that issue. Like that's how Civ goes for me a lot of the time um, where it's like, I know that the first round is going to be a burner. Whereas it feels like this one is just trying to push you towards a win from the very start. And it doesn't, which is fine. It's just, it doesn't like, I don't know. Something about it isn't clicking for me. Um, Yeah, I agree. But it's not bad is the thing. No, I (laughs) think this game is going to be perfect. First of all, it's on game pass, which is and I think that's excellent. And I will probably play it a little bit more because I still have it installed and and I think it's interesting. And I love that it's on game pass because, you know, perfect. Clearly a lot of work went into this game. I think that they were asking price like $40 or something totally reasonable Mm -hmm. because it's got a huge amount of art and music and, and like, Mm -hmm. um, design in the mechanics. I don't think it's necessarily bad. I think that there's a certain kind of player who maybe is coming from either they don't play strategy games at all, or they typically play more narrative strategy games like crusader Kings or something like Mm -hmm. that, who maybe will find this game very appealing because it is more of a story and maybe they will, connect the dots in their heads between their you know the 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 faction that they chose the country that they chose and then the next level up of that or whatever um so i think that there's definitely value there for them um i think like at the end of the day it's kind of going back a little bit but my biggest issue with the game is that it feels like you're just kind of progressing forward and that the choices don't necessarily make a ton of sense yeah or that there's doesn't I don't get why I'm picking them and I think part of that is because of the way I like to be onboarded to these kinds of games I suspect if I played three or four games of this I might start to see patterns that make me go oh well okay this makes sense to do here I want to rush this to get this culture etc and I wonder if for the players that I'm talking about that are maybe more into narrative focused games if this method of onboarding is more will be more effective for them um than a more standard like here's tool tips for everything every step of the way up front now go and play that i would kind of prefer um but i think like you could probably argue that i could just read everything about how to play the game but i think the issue is that i already like endless legend and i know how to play it i already like civ and i know how to play it and do i really want to go through that learning process again for this game but for players yeah. who don't already have those relationships, they may find it really appealing. Yeah, yeah. and like to not go too deep into it because I think we've talked about human coin, human coin quite a bit. Yeah. Um, they do offer some decent tutorial videos that you can watch. Yeah, but there's kind of a lot of them, and I watched like a couple just to be like, okay, what's this like? Like, I watched the very first one is like, oh, this is like, what is a strategy game? And I was like, okay, we don't need this. And then I went to like one of the deeper systems, and it was like, oh, I already know all this from Civ. So I get what you mean where it's like it's similar enough to where it feels like you should just be able to kind of translate stuff even in your head. Just be like, oh, okay, so this is like the happiness system. This is like the production system. This is like the culture system. Like it's an it's an it's analogous and you can kind of connect those wires in your head. Whereas like I want to be able to discern what the new stuff is, like what mechanics didn't exist in Civ or whatever. In some cases, like the combat, and we can move on after this, but like in some cases, like the yeah. combat, um, structurally, the combat's the same as Endless Legend. You like right. your your guys kind of spread out on an area around the space that you engaged in the combat on. But in Humankind, the units are like Civ units. It's like warriors, yep. spearmen. In Endless Legend, <laughs> you are equipping your units with gear. So 
you are giving archers, like you maybe find a legendary bow and you have a hero unit that has that bow and stuff. So the combat feels a lot more dynamic because it's not just like stock units running into each other. It's like, oh, I want to put this person here because they have plus one range from this bow that they got from doing this quest. Um, And you start seeing that stuff fairly early in Endless Legend. So when I got to the combat in Humankind, I was like, oh, this is like Endless Legend combat, but it's not as interesting (laughs) because it has less going on, um, which was a little frustrating. Uh, So, yeah. Anyway. I think it's still yeah. worth checking out for sure if you have 100%. interest in strategy because it's on Game Pass. Yep. Um, grab it it's there, m- play it a little bit. Much lower, like. much lower barrier to entry than something like uh, Crusader Kings, which is great. But like, yes, <laughs> yeah, like if you're looking for an intro to strategy games, I think Humankind is absolutely worth a play. If you're deep into strategy games, it's it's fine, but you're not going to find anything mind blowing about it, in my opinion. Anyways, yeah. We got one more game. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll say two briefly. I remembered I did play one other game that Ooh. I can talk about, but I didn't play very much of it, so it really only will take me a minute. Um, I, <laughs> I, I purchased the pre-purchase for a game called Icarus. Have you heard of this? No. It's a survival game. It's made by the original DayZ. Oh, I did hear about um, this. Okay, I'm yes. Actually, I didn't know that's what it was called. Okay. I'm vaguely excited about it because it's a concept that I find very interesting, which is it's a survival game, but instead of like buying a server with your friends, you're actually yeah. dropping into the world for timed sessions. Um, oh, some of the ways that they're handling that is a little... My biggest concerns with this game are all on oh. the technical side. Um, well... Daisy was not known for its technical prowess. Well, and, and it's not just the Daisy developer. It's like a team that has made other games paired okay. up with um, the, the guy who made Daisy. And I don't know if he joined uh, them just for this game or if oh, he has name. been there for a Dean while. Hall? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, they seem like a cool studio. So no, the, yeah. the, they've, I've been in their Discord. They're really communicative. They seem really friendly and stuff. Cool. Um, is, it, uh, is it also Bohemia? No, no, it is. What are they called? Uh, um, I think it might be Dean Hall that's on it. Maybe I'm wrong. It's one of the other people who worked on it, but they're called Rocket Works. People okay. make it. Um, prior, they, their biggest game prior was they made Stationeers. Um, I don't know that. Which, not a very big game, but it's one that I had seen. I haven't played it. It seems pretty cool. It's like a, it's a little bit like Space Engineers, but got its own oh, thing going on kind of across between space engineers and kerbal has like That's very fun. nightmarish characters because they're like human faces but on kerbal bodies it's <laughs> horrific and intentionally horrific, terrifying yes it's a okay. very goofy game anyway icarus is much more serious in tone um and it is it is a game where you pick a drop you go in you land on the ground you get your stick you get your rock you make your pickaxe you mine whatever to, yep. to to get so if you build a little palisade and and with a bed inside to respawn when you die um okay. and then so you go out it's minecrafty rusty rusty that, rust is probably realm. the best comparison but there's no pvp sure. which is part of what's interesting to me is fully oh. pve game um huh. which is something my friends like um and then it's also small group focused it's like up to eight players which is another thing my friends it's, like it, valheim is similar right in that yes. in that in that specific sense, structurally, yeah. it's more like Valheim visually and from a like and gameplay wise, it's closer to Rust. But yes, okay. um, 
Cool. The thing that the the thing that like I said that I think is interesting about it is it's not a game where you buy servers. We've done a few of these. We did Valheim and Ark most recently, and the typical um, arc, no pun intended, of of this mm-hmm. kind of game with my group of friends anyway is we get excited about it. We buy a server. We play like fuckload of it over a two hot, three weeks. A hot and heavy month. Yes, and <laughs> like we were playing Ark for like six hours a day for like two weeks. It was. Yeah, like everyone would basically like skip out of work early. Nobody that I work for listens to this, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> and I don't mean like at noon. Well, I didn't like some. They were playing at hours of the day where I was like, if your bosses knew you were playing Ark right now, you would be in trouble. I didn't get that bad, but yeah, it was like three p.m. hits. I started working at seven thirty a.m. Fuck that last half hour. Let's go ride some dinosaurs for a while. <laughs> it was very fun and then um and then like fall off at like a cliff before we actually hit the end game because it just gets kind of like tedious to try That's to do the stuff you need to do to get to the end game totally what happens to me with games like terraria but yeah yeah and similar feel too so anyway icarus is interesting to me because and then what happens is i inevitably or whoever has the server cancels the server and we lose everything because like you could back it up but are we ever really going to load that server again somewhere else probably not we're probably going to want to start over if we play the game again um because the interesting parts are the early game anyway uh so anyway icarus is interesting to me because it's session based um the way they handle the hosting is a little weird uh it's p it's peer-to-peer but it's like it's like peer-to-peer but they store all of your character progression on their servers dedicated servers um Mm. and that matters because it's the structure is like you're dropping, you're playing a bunch hot and heavy, that early game kind of feel, and you're doing it to try to get to this ore that you can take out and then use the ore on permanent stuff that you can take to, from session to session. And you're also leveling up skill trees for your character that you're gaining from experience by just doing everything gets you experience. So it's interesting structurally. Their peer-to-peer hmm. system is interesting because the way that it works is it is you're all connecting determining the best host on its own and then everybody connects to them and then if that person leaves it actually will instead of killing the session it just jumps to another person and migrates the hosting which is interesting it's like torrents (laughs) yeah and it's interesting because it means like if you drop in for like a six hour session or something what can happen is because the sessions range from like an hour to like three weeks and <laughs> it's weird. And weird. I don't know what happens if, if, cause there's a thing where like you can stay in the session and quit the game and it'll like not keep running the session, but it'll keep running the timer. So like That's weird. as long as you're the one to restart the session, everyone can reconnect to you and then you can quit. And then one of them is supposed to, it's, I that don't know how a, all that's going to work. That puts a really weird amount of like responsibility on the shoulders of whoever that falls onto. <laughs> but I don't know exactly how it handles that. It may be that yeah. it sends the game state to everybody. I don't really know. So yeah. it's it's if that stuff it's works seamlessly, it could be really cool. I yeah, will say. I and then this an is an interesting idea. Kind of my my last bit on it is I the they had their first beta weekend. So you could pre-order it and they're doing like a, they have like a roadmap of beta weekends. It's kind of like mm-hmm. early access, but they're doing it only on certain weekends. Um, and one, this game is 
the, the system requirements for this game, I'm going to read them to you. And okay. this won't mean anything to some of our listeners, but holy shit. So recommended, and I meet the minimum, and it ran like dog shit for me. So don't okay. even try it if you have the minimum. Again, first beta weekend, they might do a lot of optimization. It's not out till November. So this is squarely in the optimization phase of development. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping they optimize it. Right now, they want recommended an Intel i7-9700. Okay. Uh, 32 gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> And an NVIDIA RTX 3060 Ti. <laughs> My God. Yeah, that's that's rough. And like... 32 gigs of RAM. Why? Yeah. And that, I have 16 gigabytes of RAM because I don't use my gaming computer as like a audio a processing workstation. Right? Yeah, so yeah. I have like... 16 has always been overkill for a long time for games. I'll probably buy more RAM because I think more games will probably start requiring that much if this game is. Not that this game is like some kind of like trendsetter or anything, but like yeah. it's, it's, it kind of tends to be a trickle before it's a flood of games that have that kind of requirement. But yeah, um, I will bonkers. say that it, it has DLSS, so it became playable oh, okay. to me if I turned on DLSS. The problem is that all my friends have amd cards so uh <laughs> so they can't rely on that yeah no um and so it's not gonna fucking run for them at all when i tried it without dlss it was running at like 14 frames a second on my 2070 super and yeah. i7 6700k uh it is like i really hope they do some optimization because i'm not gonna buy it unless yeah. they can get it optimized um that's because i can't i'm I, i'll buy more ram because i just probably should I'm not going to go hunting for a 3060 Ti and a new processor to play this game. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, no. though, the actual gameplay, the it seems like it could end up being cool. My problem is it's this first weekend. Um, my friends didn't want to get into it, so I was playing solo, and like my, my shuttle landed. It's very pretty, I'll say. At least they're using all that requirements to make a gorgeous game. Yeah, totally. um, but uh, I landed, and I was like, okay, getting oxygen to refill my oxygen it's very earth-like the planet apparently there's cool weird shit the further you in you go but for the first mm. weekends they're just doing the like more earth-like zones so i'm hunting like goats and and rabbits and stuff to get food and i'm building a campfire and stuff it has a very dynamic fire tech where it'll like spread uh, like fire, fire and stuff like, like far cry like 2 far cry 2 yeah uh-huh. <laughs> um and that's just cool and then a, a couple wolves kind of came over to my camp and I had a spear and it was like trying to fight like a professional MMA fighter with like a pool noodle. The wolves were just like (laughs) ravaging me. And every time you die, you lose experience points. So I like played for a half hour, got up to like level three or whatever, and then just got destroyed by those, these wolves. And every time you spawn, it was like right where my I was spawning like near enough. And if I tried to do a corpse run, then the wolves would just kill me again. Um, and you drop all your stuff when you die. So it was just a nightmare of like, ah, I'm just getting killed so, by wolves over so and over and over again. So it's like the dark souls of surviving. <laughs> Not doing this again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it sucked. I think like, yeah, that, that's that's annoying. That's a specific enough problem that I don't want to condemn the game eternally for that. But no, it was it a happens. really bad like. I spent like 10 minutes trying to get the game to run acceptably. And then I spent like 20 minutes actually having fun with it, but doing very basic survival game shit. 
And then I spent like 20 minutes getting killed by wolves over and over and again. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to cancel this pre-order and <laughs> see what we hear when it gets closer to release. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Talked about it for longer than I intended, but it was kind of a funny, an interesting <laughs> cool. game. It seems interesting. Um, I, uh, I won't talk too long about my last thing either. Um, but though you could, if you were, <laughs> you were so inclined, <laughs> I, um, two weeks ago, was if you had asked me how I feel about destiny, I'd be like, I fucking hate that game. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> how Sorry, much my... destiny two or yeah. destiny in general, destiny to, well, I mean, kind of when you talk about one, you're kind of talking about the other at this point, yeah. but yeah, destiny two is the game that a bunch of my friends were like, hell yeah, it's destiny time. Cause a couple weeks ago they had a community stream where they announced the new expansion coming in February. Um, and talked a little bit about some of the new features there. And uh, so a bunch of friends of mine were like, now's the time to get back into Destiny. We have like, you know, five months or whatever to get caught up before we, the new expansion comes out. And the current expansion was on sale during that period, too. Yeah. And at first I was like, fuck this. This is stupid. Let's play anything else. Please buy Hunt Showdown. Maybe we could play some Tarkov. Everybody already likes Tarkov in that group. I was like, let's do something other than this. Battlefield's coming in two months. Please not Destiny but they kept like hammering the destiny. At one point I said, I can safely say I will never play destiny two again, <laughs> which was then screenshotted and pinned <laughs> in discord because then I finally gave in and installed it and played like a shitload of it last weekend um, and made it to the powerful gear grind this week, uh, playing a lot of it. And you know, it's like destiny. The core gameplay is fun. It's about the best shooter. I think, out there yeah, in terms of it's, it's bungee man yeah like aiming and point <laughs> the trigger incredibly good yeah. um and it is still that game and i do still like aiming and point the trigger thankfully this group likes playing gambit a lot which i really 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 like uh gambit um which if you're not familiar is you're killing pve enemies and picking up moats that they drop and then banking them in like a bank in the center while another team does the same thing periodically one player from each team can invade the other side so there's a little bit of pvp in there and then once you fill up the bank of moats there's a boss that spawns and whichever team kills their boss first wins and you can kind of fuck with each other too by when you put in moats in multiples of five it drops a blocker on the other side which is like a taken enemy that will start draining their moats if they don't kill them quickly it also prevents them from banking moats while it's up so mm -hmm. it's just a really fun mode that is like not as broken as the pvp in destiny um because yes there's there's enemies can come in and there's a little bit of pvp but it feels more strategic because they have to 1v3 you basically but if they do kill you the consequences are pretty severe because they can kill you with while you're holding a bunch of moats or when the boss is up if the other player kills you it refills the boss health so um it's just, it's a fun mode, and my group likes playing it a lot, so if anything, I was drawn in by like, okay, well, if we're just going to play Gambit, or if at least I can just join to play Gambit, then that's fun. Um, but then I picked up the On Sale Beyond Light and the Deluxe Edition that came with the season stuff, and I'll say they fixed my biggest problem for now. I'm sure they'll break it again, but they fixed my biggest problem with Destiny, which is for a while there, it was basically like you had to play every week see little morsels of story content or you could not do that and then have no fucking idea what's going on with the story now 
<laughs> you they they do each season it seems like they do a small number of bespoke missions that they keep in the game for a full year so as long as you check in once a year which is reasonable in my opinion you can jump in and play the story content that you missed um it's still no final fantasy where you can just play the story from start to finish yep. which is the right way to do it but whatever um also the story in destiny is such gibberish at this point that like I kind of once I sort of saw the state of where things are, I was like, okay, fucking whatever. <laughs> I don't know. There's like a giant crystal lady who sucked a dude into it, and well, excuse that me, that crystal lady is also apparently Savathun, who's like at one point was like a worm, but now she's just a witch. She's got moth wings in the new expansion. I don't know. It's the, like the, the the wizard, the moon. Yeah. Whatever. It, if you thought it was bad, then <laughs> it is like. <laughs> completely off the rails now in a way i almost find appealing um all right <laughs> so i played through beyond light which was the expansion last year i'm very glad that i bought that on sale because holy shit i <laughs> understand why it has mostly negative on steam um that Ouch. expansion is like three hours long and it's one new area and there's only like two mission areas in that larger area it looks cool it's a fun zone to have to do like bounties and, and random shit in. But the story, we're going to call it a story. I'm air quoting is like one of the Kells, which are the fallen like leaders from forsaken. She's okay. like the, so the, you know, the pyramids came. Yeah. The big, sure. the big black pyramids showed up. Yeah. And sure. that was how they, from a high level. Sure. Yeah. That, I mean, really it is high level narratively that's how they justified fucking nuking two-thirds of the content of the game last year <laughs> and okay. removing it and putting it on a <laughs> server somewhere that you can no longer access which includes five of the seven raids that were in at the time um and basically cool. took it down to like less content than the base game had when it launched anyway that was also stupid um anyway those pyramids <laughs> are there one of them landed on europa which is a moon and um an ice moon and this fallen Kel figured out how to get this crazy ice power out of it by embracing the darkness and and now she can freeze people and she's going to make an army she, she believes in a thing called love yes she embraced the darkness she she uh is going to make an army now believe me you that i've We'll get into that. Uh, okay. <laughs> she she made an army. She's going to make an army of ice fallen that are going to kill all the people because they have ice powers and whatever. So uh, is, is this like Game of Thrones is or whatever? Dear God, I wish it was as interesting as Game of Thrones, okay. and I don't even like Game of Thrones. <laughs> Same. Instead, no. All of the whole story is there's one good guy fallen, and she rips his arm off at the beginning. And it's sad because he has like two mechanical fallen have four arms. They're aliens. Oh, okay. He has like two mechanical arms she rips one of them off it's very like man that was mean why'd you do that he's nice um and essentially all the whole story is you got to go kill a couple of her lieutenants to draw her out and then kill her because otherwise she's going to make an army of fallen that have darkness powers and to do that you yourself have to embrace the darkness and believe in a thing called love mm -hmm. and let me tell you Jesus Christ, the writing in this expansion is like, it's like, okay, a couple things. 
first, the Exo Stranger comes back. Cool. She's cool. She was in, I guess, spoilers for Beyond Light, the year-old Destiny expansion. If you haven't played it by now, you probably should because you get a really good fucking gun at the end of it if you play Destiny. But the story sucks. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> the Exo Stranger comes back. For some reason, she, the Drifter, and Eris Morn are all on Europa, and they've all decided that they're going to embrace the darkness, too. And so the Exo Stranger, who, by the way, is for some reason, she's a robot. She's an Exo. She's got boobs for some reason, which I don't understand. Sure. Like, I have nothing against boobs, but who, <laughs> why was she, this robot designed with, like, I don't know. It's weird. Go look up screenshots of the Exo Stranger. Probably don't search it with safe search off, because I'm guessing there's some stuff out there. The but Exo I think it's. Exo Stranger. I think Elizabeth it's. Elizabeth Gray. Uh, that she's who designed the Exo Stranger. Oh, um, okay. It's, it's she's it's weird. I don't get it. It's a very horny robot design. I guess if people made her, yeah. that's probably what they would make her look like. Oh my but, god, this edit has her being very thick. Yeah, I was gonna say. I bet that there's some art out there. Anyway, nothing yes. against the Stranger. She's a really cool character. I just want to. Ex- I want the person who designed her character model at Bungie with a straight face to tell me in universe why she looks like she does. There's nothing wrong with her design. It's a cool robot. It's like a sexy robot, I guess, but I need to know, was it that like the braids were really horny for the robots or something? I don't, I don't get it anyway. She, she uh, kind of, for those listening who just don't feel like Googling, she, and you need to play apex. She kind of looks like that friggin. Oh God! What's his name? Oh, I can't remember. Revenant. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 She, yes, she yes, looks yes. like a late, like a that's lady what, Revenant. That's what Exos look like in general. Anyway, okay. that's neither here nor there. I just thought it was funny. Um, the they just keep talking about like your ghost. The Exo Stranger's like you have to take the darkness within you. You have to. You have to start because there's this whole like light versus dark in Destiny. The Traveler is a being of light versus the darkness from these pyramids. And there's this whole lore thing where like the universe is just repeated um, so, would, games. Would, would you say that you are a warrior of light? Yes, but um, certainly not like anything that happens in Final Fantasy. Okay. <laughs> you also have to become a warrior of darkness for this expansion. Um, oh, And... There's some wild shit out there. There's some of the lore and destiny is actually very much like Kingdom Hearts, which kind of owns oh. all things come back to Kingdom Hearts that are oh. good in this world. <laughs> um, okay. uh, anyway, though, um, the whole time you're like, oh, yeah, I'm a I'm a warrior of I've been fighting for the light or whatever. And then um, the, you have to the exo stranger and they're, they're like, you got to take the darkness within you got to touch this darkness shard. and you do it and it's like, oh, sick. Now I have, I can throw a grenade that freezes people. It's not as good as my other grenade, but I can do it now. And like, oh, these powers kind of blow ass. And I'd rather use my <laughs> solar subclass, but we're here now. <laughs> I can do ice. <laughs> and that's, then that's weird. Sorry. The I'll, whole time your ghost after. is like having a meltdown and is like, I can't, I'm with you no matter what, Guardian, but I don't believe in the darkness. I, I'm of the traveler's light and the darkness is bad and I'm worried about you. And, and like the non exo stranger people that you encounter are like, I'm worried about you guardian. You're taking on a lot of darkness now. And it's just super corny. 
and basically yeah. the band the darkness played in my head the whole time anytime they were like <laughs> this is too much darkness for us to handle and it's like motherfucker i live on earth in 2021 i am this is nothing uh that's so interesting nobody eating horse paste here uh, uh yeah god uh the, there's no it, Her- herman kane awards being awarded no, in this no. game um but yeah, I don't know. The story sucks. You get a sick ass. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of it, you get a sick ass exotic rifle, though, that shoots bullets back in time. So when you do enough precision shots, it spawns huh. a little black hole next to you that shoots bullets at things automatically. So I don't know. All that right. part's cool. That's the best part of Beyond Light so far is that gun is sick. Uh, but That's interesting. Because yeah. so like talking about how darkness powers are less powerful in general, it's interesting because usually in games when they push you towards the evil side, like thinking about or you know quote unquote evil side, um, in games like I don't know Infamous or like a lot of Star Wars games, those are usually the more destructive powers, the more yeah. like causing a ton of chaos powers, but. For it to be what, underwhelming here, that's like, oh, that's what they're what this clearly is from a mechanics perspective is they're making a new set of powers that are modified differently than the current subclasses in the game. Sure. Like it is it is when you open up the it's called stasis. When you open up the stasis subclass, it is completely different UI wise as to how you adjust it. Um I haven't actually done there's post expansion quests to get a bunch of mods you can put on it and maybe it makes it more cool and better. Um, I haven't gotten into that yet, uh, but it's it seems like what they want to do is rework all of the classes subclasses in the game to function the same way mechanically. I don't understand why they broke it out in the menu into your darkness subclass and your light subclasses, especially because they said there are no new darkness subclasses coming with the next expansion. So it's like, yeah, what the fuck was the point of this? Yeah, that's weird to have Uh, like a root level distinction. Yeah, it's going to be at least two years before there's another darkness subclass that even makes it worth Hmm. separating them in the menus. So that design choice is very strange to me. I don't get it. The subclass kind of sucks to use, but I'm hoping that maybe it's more interesting. Um, more importantly, though, than all of that, and the thing that is why I am still playing Destiny is I finally did one of their... This, they have a content called Dungeons now, which I think they introduced before Beyond Light, but I'm not positive. Dungeons are like three-player raids, kind of. They're much shorter, and they're not quite as hard, but the only reason they're not quite as hard is because you only have three players to coordinate instead of six. Mm-hmm. and they're extremely hard though from like a gameplay perspective my couple friends and i we did the um i don't even remember what it's called now the the dungeon that we did prophecy i think is what it's called and it is it was fucking wild and very cool you like fly into the drifters weird gambit hole which is like this like big cracked orb that he drags around with a spaceship and we went through like some kind of portal and then we were in this like desert and you have to you had to the main mechanic for this dungeon was you have to kill taken knights which are like mid-tier strength enemies they were very hard because this is like raid level of enemy general flatline enemy stats and you have to kill them while you're standing in shadows to get them to drop dark motes 
and while you're standing in light to get them to drop light motes. And then you use the different colored motes on different platforms to cleanse them. And it was like, it starts with that mechanic. And then it's, okay, well, now you have to fight a boss, and he's immune until you cleanse all the pillars around him. And there is a rotating set of rings, kind of like a gyroscope or something, around the outside that move every now and then. And those are what are casting the shadows. So you're constantly having to readjust where you're killing the enemies from to get the different kinds of motes to drop. Because if you're carrying motes that are light and you pick up darkness motes, you start over. You don't, you're like out of, back to just having whatever darkness motes you picked up. So that was very hard because we had to like manage all this, cleanse all the pillars, do a DPS phase on the boss, and then the pillars would come back. And then the next thing, then you go through this like, wild looking it gets dark you go through this wild looking big environment where you're using your sparrows to cross the sand and cleanse these different checkpoints and then you go into this cube and now there's a little like 343 guilty spark guy on the different sides of the cube could be above you or on one of the four sides that are perpendicular to you and you have to cleanse platforms using this moat mechanic that will allow you that are on the side of where the little guy is because then you're going to get teleported to that side and now that side's the floor so you have to chase this little hmm. moat around this cube and not fuck it up because if you fuck it up you have to start all over again uh yeah. and then finally you have to fight this boss which is just like you have to do the moats to cleanse a pillar in this triangular pyramid room where he's in shades of him are in the three corners. And when you cleanse the pillars, you have to fight a mini boss and then you have to do the DPS phase. You have to run through this crazy hallway with pillar with like platforms. You have to chase him while you're DPSing him. And if you don't keep up with him, you die. It was intense that sounds, that sounds and great. hard. Yes. Like, and it that was awesome. Sounds, it's, People talking about this stuff that makes me slightly interested in Destiny. <laughs> yeah, that was really fucking cool. And it yeah, finally felt awesome. like, okay, I have people to do this content with now. This is cool. This is like, we're, like we're going to do a raid on Monday. And I was looking at the guide for it. And like at first I was like, we shouldn't use a guide. We should just go in and try to figure it out. And my friend was like, please watch the guide. And I watched the guide <laughs> and I was like, Jesus Christ, this would take us 13 hours to figure out on our own which is cool. I mean, it is cool yeah. for our first raid. I think it's probably smart that we're going to know what to do going in, but I totally get the appeal totally. of that content now. Yeah. Like same, like I, I haven't played destiny and I don't think I'm going to, um, but that stuff sounds really appealing. Like it, if you ever watch people do like the savage raids in final fantasy, it's very mm -hmm. similar where it's like you you see there's two camps. There's the people who, watch guides and prepare themselves or there's the groups of statics that get together and are dedicated to learning it themselves and they, sure. it'll take them weeks if not months to get some of them done because they're so complicated and there's so many dense mechanics that like it might be really hard to figure it out like um in final fantasy there's one i don't think it's a savage raid but 
There's one that requires you to do a bunch of math on the fly, and each individual player has to do different math, so you can't just rely on like, oh, everyone, oh, we have to do like the square root of this and like times that plus this, and then we all end up on this block. No, everyone else, everyone has to end up on different blocks. It's not like the whole party ends up on one. It's, yeah, so you as yeah. an individual have to end up on the right block or you die. And it's stuff There's, like that where it's like, that's nuts and really cool. <laughs> there is a mechanic in the raid we're doing Monday so you do a DPS phase, which has its own mechanics. But then uh-huh. in between the DPS phases, you have to go in this room. And there's four, pu- three, I think, only three, three puzzles. They're just three by three grids. Mm. And it'll be a, it'll have picture and there'll be pieces of the picture missing, four pieces of the picture missing. And so, there's a three okay. by three grid, three by three grid of platforms in the middle of the room. Oh, and I see. <laughs> all the players have to line up, four of the players, with one person kind of shot calling have to line up so that they're going to jump on the platforms that would fill in the picture. Oh, that's However, cool. while you stand on the platforms, you take a shitload of damage. So everyone has to jump at the exact same time. Further complicating it is you cannot jump on the same platform twice. So Sick. when you rotate to the next picture, if it's a platform, if your platform is one you've already jumped on, you have to immediately say, I have to rotate with someone. I can't jump on this one. And then swap out with somebody and jump on it. And you have to do that mm-hmm. three times to get back to the DPS phase. And you have to do that whole song and dance potentially like three or four times. That's so um, cool. I love that. Which is very cool. It's, I mean, it's, it can be clever. frustrating in practice. but And yeah. I didn't realize how wild those mechanics got in Destiny. Because I assumed that they were grounded in some kind of like narrative justification but they don't give a fuck. They will do like, <laughs> you got to eat the bananas because, you know, actually I only said that because I did the dungeon last night in Final Fantasy with the gorilla guy. Oh. Uh, or you have to eat the bananas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I think the thing with Final Fantasy, and I get this, it's, it's just a preference thing. It's not a value judgment. Um, my biggest problem with Final Fantasy is I don't, I think the combat for being a hot bar based MMO is probably the most interesting rotation wise that I've encountered compared to other hot bar based MMOs, but the limited amount of, um, of rotational choice for support classes, particularly for tanks makes me less interested in the very high end, um, rating content because there is a, to an extent it is sort of clockwork like in that you need to do your you hold aggro and do your rotation um that is completely fine for me when it comes to all of the content the group content it's fun in all the other group content and stuff um but i think like because between that and the fact that the gear system does not really i don't find it that engaging in final fantasy it's a little less like I'm a little less inclined to do the very, very high-end content because it's not related to the story, which is my primary interest in the game. Um, whereas with Destiny, there is an extent of like, okay, these mechanics are very cool, and then at the end, we might get some crazy-ass exotic gun that I is going to like change the way that I play the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas that piece is kind of missing from Final Fantasy because it's more of a traditional MMO. It's not to the game's fault necessarily. But for me personally, without the sort of this is going to completely change how you play your class sort of stuff, um, it's not as engaging to me. 
that stuff comes from leveling. Like there's aspects of that in Final Fantasy, but it's not so much tied to the 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 mm. savage extreme high end raids. Those are just like okay, you know how to play. Now you have to be very on it with the mechanics and the way that your class plays and play it at a high level, which isn't quite as exciting. Yeah, but it's like, cool. You you can jump into like the Ultima weapon stuff, but like if you're talking main story quest, just like natural progression, totally. You'll encounter some stuff in Shadowbringers that might address some of those concerns, but I don't want to talk yeah. about them. <laughs> I did start a little bit of Shadowbringers too, so um, I'm in the Crystarium or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. That game starts um, great. <laughs> the thing I gotta say about Shadowbringers, pretty disappointed, the the sound it plays when you accept quests fucking sucks. The worst one. It's the worst one. I didn't like uh, it at the start either, but it, it, it grows on you in maybe. time. <laughs> All I know is when I started Stormblood, I was like, man, people were way too hard on this because the first time I got the da-da-dun, 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 yeah. I was like, fuck yes, let's go do a quest. Uh, yeah, totally. And then the quest like, completion sound that it plays, the like, dun 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 is like, yeah. fuck yes, I just did a quest. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Shadowbringers guitar riffy thing is a little weird, but it... After the, the, first, the completion like, quest is a sound is a little better and I'm, I'm yeah. more into that one. So yeah, it, Very, it, it'll, it'll grow on you in time. And I didn't like it at first. The most either. important, the most important piece of any final fantasy expansion Man. quest. Now is I love, I love the way Sh- uh, Shadowbringer starts with the, the, your merchant buddy who just, they introduce <laughs> a character and they make him nice and charming and then they fucking murder him within five minutes. Yeah, it's not really a spoiler if you haven't played <laughs> no, it. like but, the first 10 minutes of the expansion, but but it is like, fucked. Yeah. And they murder him in a brutal way. It's great. Yes. Welcome to Shadowbringers. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. The the visuals are pretty cool too. Although, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I'll have more thoughts on it as I get through it. But totally. Um, I'm looking forward there, to your thoughts on some stuff. <laughs> some of the some of the visuals I was like, this isn't bad, but I was a little surprised that it looked so it feels like it hasn't aged particularly well, which is weird given that it's the most recent expansion. I don't know. Um doesn't really matter that much because that game is not you don't play it for rtx on cutting edge uh yeah but um <laughs> who knows but yeah um, but yeah anyway destiny it's very interesting i already started to encounter the same arguments with the people i play with that <laughs> frustrate me about any game with high level and pve content which is and not heated arguments i mean we're all chill and, and that's yeah. part of why this group is working is because even when we were wiping in that dungeon, nobody was getting mad at each other. But yeah. it was like, oh, you know, I was like, man, I like collecting. Someone was like, don't ever pull exotics from the vending machine, which is how you get them. If you for the ones that they took the content out for the quests that you would do to get them. Right. Now you can get them from a vending machine at the tower. But it costs the rarest currency in the game to get them, which is like. You have to run high level nightfalls, which are really fucking hard, multiple times to get one of them, and it costs two for each exotic. And so my friend was like, Don't ever pull them from the vending machine. You need the same currency to masterwork your gear, which is more important than collecting exotics. And I was like, That fucking sucks. Because a big part of the interest I have in Destiny is trying different exotic weapons. And he was like, You need to get over it. That's not what the game's about. And I was like, That sucks shit. I hate that. That's bad game design. If you're going to make cool guns, let me try them. It sucks that you would lock up all these cool guns behind hours and hours of grinding. And they were like, yeah, "Yeah, but you already have all the guns you're ever going to need. 
to do end game content right now. And I was like, that's not the point. <laughs> that's not what I want from this game. Yeah, well, it um, wasn't the whole point of Destiny. Like the the thing that they sold it on like months and months before was like, you're going to tell stories about how you got these guns. Yes. And <laughs> and now it's you're going to tell stories about how you argued with your clan mates over whether <laughs> you should spend the, the your your ascendant prisms getting cool guns or master working your boots, which is like ugh. um but whatever. I mean, again, whatever. the content's fun. We're having fun. It is like the thing that they were saying in a non-asshole way was like, you really should just get over the desire to collect everything. Um, and if Destiny, if you're like me and you like to collect everything, Destiny is a nightmare. Um, also, it maybe will help you get over it and go, you know what? Collecting stuff is stupid. Games, Video games are stupid. I'm just going to play Destiny and grind with my friends. Somebody said yesterday... Can you in a, in a group, different group that I was playing with said, can you imagine a world without video games? And all of us unanimously were like, it would be so much better. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> Mostly joking, but yeah, but it's funny. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. For, for me as a non destiny player and just hearing you talk about it, it sounds like destiny as a individual game as a thing has the widest gulf between bad and good in a single game that yes, you can find. I would, yeah, I would agree like with it, that. The top level good stuff is amazing, and the, the worst stuff is just terrible. Like that's what there's it sounds just, like. Yeah, there's just so many bad decisions in that game, in my opinion, from a yeah. design perspective. And there's so much of a like identity crisis because you're right; they do talk about like, oh, this is a game where you're going to tell the story of your guardian and your weapons that you've built a bond with and worked towards right. over time, and then also like. Your weapon is everyone's using the same four guns, and we can't deal with that anymore. So we're gonna make it so they suck shit now. Goodbye, cool guns. <laughs> now use these crappy guns that aren't very interesting instead to forge your next legend. And it's just like, <laughs> dude, come on. What do you want us? Do you want the game to be fun, or do you want the game to be a content treadmill? Pick one. Yeah. Uh, and that's a little frustrating, but um, it helps having people to play with because, like. You get to do the coolest end game content and it's always fun to jump in and do bungee shooting in like Gambit and stuff for an hour. Uh, so um, that part of it is fun. I, I would say also this game hates new and returning players. Ba- they basically <laughs> think you're garbage unless you've been playing Destiny all along. Like consistently. Like I bought the expansion and the next time that I launched it, it threw me into a mission that was 50 power levels higher than what I was at. And it was like impossible to do and I could have quit out, but I was like, okay, so then how am I going to get back to this mission? I have no idea how I'm going to get back to this mission. I'm sure it's somewhere, but I don't know what it's called. Like, I don't know how I'm going to find it again. And so I just kept slamming my head against it until I brute forced it and it sucked. (laughs) And I don't know why it put me in that mission, but it did. And it was not a good experience. And every one of us that got back into it, everyone was like, oh no, the mission they put you back in isn't that bad because they played the one that leads into Beyond Light and then everyone bought the, the the expansion and then the next time they logged in had to play this mission and was like, what the fuck? This is so <laughs> stupid. Uh, so, yeah. Also, like, the new player onboarding mission, since they ripped out the campaign, so you can't play that anymore. Um, the right. new player onboarding mission is literally the missions from, the, from Destiny 1. The first missions from Destiny 1 with different cool. VO. Otherwise, they are the same 
look because they put the earth zone from destiny one back in the game and it is literally the same levels that you played in the beginning of destiny one with the same narrative like structure and con like concepts but with different vo to account for the fact that it's shit's happened since then which is odd it's so fucking weird that sounds like recycling content rather than being cool like well and that's the name of the game is they're they're just recycling reams of content and i have to assume that it was a combination of them going independent which is great i'm really glad that they did that them going free to play which is also good i think um and then covid hitting like right Mm -hmm. around all of those things kind of happening. I mean, and I think it went free to play before COVID, if I recall, it was in like late 2019. I think so. But it seems like there's been a lot of like, and this has been the destiny problem since destiny one, right? The pipeline has always had clogs in it that are struggles for them to get around. Um, Because of the way the game's designed, I will say it seems like beyond light forward, the seasonal content after it has been pretty good. So hopefully the new expansion coming out will stay good. They're doing some cool stuff like weapon crafting is coming into the game. So maybe now you'll be able to craft a gun. That's cool. Um, and uh, maybe you'll be able to like, there's this, these glaives coming in, which are like spears that can also shoot. So All right. those will maybe be cool. I don't know. Um, Destiny. I, I don't know that I want to sell anybody on it that isn't already playing it. But if you have a group of friends to play, it's a video game. It has crossplay now. That's kind of cool. Um, they finally figured that out and just has full crossplay. One of the people that I'm raiding with is apparently going to try to raid on their phone using XCloud on day. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> that sounds like the ideal experience. I, we have a backup for when that inevitably fails. But worth a shot? Sure. Yeah, they're at a wedding, and so they're they're not going to be raiding from the wedding, but from the hotel room. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> that would be raiding on five G <laughs> in the Hell reception yeah. hall. Discord no, in like, the AirPod. <laughs> just when sitting, like watching the ceremony happening, just one person head down, headphones on, <laughs> <laughs> going fuck uh, every now and again. <laughs> the Bluetooth dies, and they hear everyone screaming. You hear everyone screaming out of the speaker just screaming nonsense anyway, that's destiny <laughs> yeah, destiny something i still have a love hate relationship good with it and but, bad yeah it, but i like playing video games with friends so it is what i ultimately said was light. i hope everyone appreciates the fact that i value playing games with you more than i care about my distaste for destiny <laughs> and <laughs> now you know i've played the good destiny content and i want some more so fair enough if you can't love Destiny at its best, something. Nobody <laughs> should have to put up with Destiny at its worst, but hey. Anyway, I think that's all of our games. Yeah, only um, two and a quarter hours. <laughs> yeah, as we've games. talked about, when you have two people, you know, Go thankfully we've both we've both mostly played we we've both played at least a little bit of the games we each brought, so I prefer these deeper back and forth discussions about stuff than, you know, the times that I bring iRacing and just stare at the camera and talk for 20 minutes and people <laughs> go, wow, that sounds cool. Uh, 
Wow, so they're cars? Ooh. All right, so hear me out. There's a new Ferrari GT3 car coming to uh, iRacing in September. Wait. And they're adding the Porsche Cup car, which may look a lot like a Porsche GT3 car, but it's different. And it's going to have its uh, own series all around Porsche Cup racing. It's a spec series, so everyone's driving mm-hmm. the same car, which means the mm-hmm. racing should be mm-hmm. really tight. Yeah. I want to say it's a little slower than GT3s, too. And slightly slower usually makes for better uh, racing. Uh I can pull up the schedule. We can talk, get into the Yeah, tracks. let's dive in deep. No. <laughs> uh, so. News. Um, not a super heavy news week this week. Um, we've got, we can get out of the way some of the more interesting, relevant, or like, like bigger stories, such as. Um, the biggest story that I'm currently the, highlighting. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, actually, I didn't hear about this. This fucking rips. Are you kidding Dude, me? Dude, yeah. I'm so, so classic psyched. Star Trek games appear to be coming to GOG, including Elite Force and Armada. I'm going to buy Fuck. GOG is going to get some of my money. Those are some of my favorite games. Dude, Elite Force is one of the best games of all yes. time. Elite like, Force is really good. Armada is very cool. It's a really good get, RTS. I do hope they, they have Starfleet. Team. Do they have Starfleet Academy? I don't because know. Uh, the article I mentioned will, a bunch. Uh, they do have Starfleet Academy. Yeah, Ooh, that game rips boy. too. Yeah, there's Ooh, those are some really good games. I think Bridge Commander is going there too. Um, yeah, wow, like, and, that and would away, be if there was. Team? So yeah. I'll say, you know, I'm not an advocate for piracy, but I have maintained a pirated copy of Bridge Commander for a long time because it's hard to get. I mean, I bought it once when I was a kid, but I don't have that disc yeah. anymore. Um, Bridge Commander is not. I don't ever list it in my top favorite games of all time, but it's certainly is one that I think of extremely fondly um, because wow, is that game cool? It's so totally. unique still too. There's not another mm-hmm. game like it out there other than kind of that Star Trek VR game they made, but I don't really care for that. Um, right. And bridge commander. One that. of the things that is so cool about bridge commander is the modding community took that game and blew it out of the water. So you can get like Battlestar Galactica mods for it. Oh, cool. And, I didn't know um, that. Based that's on awesome. the, the TV show, like the newer TV show, the sci-fi show. And then you can also get like every Star Trek ship that's ever been. And people have modded yeah. it out so that you can like walk, get up and walk around the ship and stuff. Like Hell yes. Bridge Commander, if they make a good, easily accessible Bridge Commander that that you can then like it could reignite the modding community um, and get and, and, and like the biggest struggle with Bridge Commander right now, you can find pirated copies of it, but getting everything to work on a modern operating system and play nice with all the mods and stuff is pretty yeah. tough. So if they could if they could put it on GOG, I bet that they that the modding community would be be inclined to put a mod manager or something together to try to make all those pieces fit. That would Man. be very cool. That sounds um, awesome. That's that's awesome. That is the biggest. That is the most exciting story. <laughs> I'm glad to have brought this news to your shit. attention then, because like I'm yeah. gonna buy Starfleet Academy today and play it tonight. Yep, and uh, like Elite Force, we were just saying. Starfleet if we're Command talking, is in there. Hell yeah! If we're talking about just top ten games of all time, personally, definitely Elite Force is in there for me. Like, I didn't play. I I played a lot of Quake Three, but I almost preferred uh, Elite Force in a lot of ways, purely for the multiplayer. Sure. But then yeah. it actually had kind of a rad campaign, which was just like a really long Star Trek episode. And then the expansion let you, like you were saying, you could just walk around Voyager. Like you could walk to all the parts and there was just like fully voice acted stuff with all the original cast. Oh, so good. Oh my God. They have the Star, <laughs> the Star Trek 25th anniversary game on here now. 
Oh, I I played that. It's weird, oh, and I don't like wow. it. <laughs> well, it's weird, but yes, it's it's interesting. Yeah, and I wish you could just search all the Star Trek games. Every time I hit search Star Trek, it goes to Star Control Origin. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, that's big. Anyways, news. that's exciting. It's freaking rad, dude. I yeah, I highly highly <laughs> recommend. And maybe some of these are already on here, and I just didn't know. But I highly recommend people go check out uh, a lot of these old Star Trek games. If you have any affinity for sci-fi games, um, they're they're so good. And some of them, like Starfleet yeah. Academy, has FMV from the original cast of various Star oh, yeah. Trek shows in it. That's really good, um, cool games. Anyway, that that's <laughs> fun news. It is. Uh, oh, I'm I'm actually going to pick up Elite Force one and two right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, if we can. I will, yeah. I will get those as well because <laughs> those are really cool too. Um, yeah. Anyways, less fun news. Uh, <laughs> oh no. The which one? Uh, oh, I was thinking the the Chinese government has put mm. uh, further limits on gaming time for people under eighteen. Um, this is an interesting news story because it is. I want to choose my words carefully because I don't want to come off like I'm like Chinese government's really good and we should just like all the horrible things that they do because they do mm-hmm. horrific things, including but not limited to two, genocide and the kidnapping and execution of their own people and all kinds of awful stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it is interesting how this story was initially reported because it definitely the headlines made it seem like like it's now against the law for kids to play video games on a say Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. which is not exactly how it works basically when for online games which includes it's a wide umbrella basically any game where you have an account so genshin impact is an online game even though it's a mostly single player game um you have when you make your account if you're under 18 it's flagged as an account for children um, or minors or whatever there is uh identification verification as a part of the process and um, those accounts now are going to be restricted to play only from 8 to 9 p.m. on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, and holidays. Yep. Um, which is, but it's it's interesting because it's not actually like a law. The law, it's not a law that says kids can't play games outside of those hours. It is really just that game developers have to place those restrictions on under 18 accounts. Um, it is actually yeah. like explicitly stated in a few news stories I read. It's explicitly stated that kids can play on their parents accounts if they want to outside of those hours which kind of makes the whole thing just very weird to me yeah Um, it's same here Uh, all thoughts but please continue and i think like essentially what it does is it just it discourage i mean it it will discourage kids from playing during like outside of those times because plenty of parents are just not going to make their own accounts or they're not going to like help their kids circumvent the this rule um and it's a weird interesting thing i I mean i think with i'll let you get to your thoughts too with with the preamble that i'm not like saying i'm in favor of a lot of the restrictions and things that the chinese government places on its people and certainly not of the like physical harm that they do to their people all the time um i also think we live in a country where we have an epidemic of people eating horse paste not we because Alex, you don't live here, but as someone who lives in a country with an epidemic of people eating horse paste, it's kind of like, I don't know that I, uh, from that position, I have some kind of moral ability to say like, 
it's totally wrong that they're restricting the hours kids can play video games because it's just like we all got fucking problems man and (laughs) who knows like i don't know i'm not part of that culture so i don't know what like if if in my country someone you know if in my country we they said you have to wear masks all the time and also it's now illegal to eat horse paste i would be like fucking finally thank you this is that's what we need and yeah. it could be that someone in another country would go, wow, they're infringing on people's freedoms to eat horse paste. And it's just like, I don't know, obviously <laughs> totally different situation. But given that I yeah. don't live in that culture, it could be that, the, that it is, you know, we've talked about, Alex, people that we know um, have mostly been like, oh, yeah, maybe this will improve kids' grades and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I don't want to speak for your friends, but, but friends that I have who, are, who have said, I don't know, it's not that big of a deal. One, it doesn't really matter anyway because you can get around it. And two, maybe it'll improve school performance in some kids. So, you know, it's hard to be like yeah. hypercritical of it, I think, when you're not in that culture. Yeah. And I, I've had not extensive all the time, but conversations with a bunch of friends who are either originally from China and now live elsewhere or still living in China or live in Chinese adjacent countries like Singapore. Um, so my friend in China says no one cares because they're going to circumvent it. Um, Especially like she lives in Beijing and she says, yeah, like kids are just going to play on their parents' accounts, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, Some friends who previously lived in China and now live around here, North America, have been kind of like wishy-washy, kind of like, eh, like I can see the appeal, but like there's a lot of problems with the Chinese education system that need to be worked out. And like, uh, the kind of pressures they're putting on kids anyways are ultra shitty at the moment. Um, yep. So by taking away one of the few things that kids have to look forward to when they get home from the rat race is just like, that's not a great thing for them. Um, and like, there's others that say like, yeah, it's probably fine. But like the one universal constant that I saw from all of my friends who talked about it is they wish it was opt in like that. Like parents ultimately should be the gatekeepers. Like they should be the ones kind of with the responsibility to say, hey, like you can play this game at 3 p.m. if you want, but you got to take care of these other responsibilities first yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Whereas like just purely saying to parents or to everyone, like there's this just global rule that applies to every single person and there's no way around it. That's a little shittier. Um, yeah. And like I think in our group chat we had kind of a conversation of like how does this affect esports because like the international has the Dota 2 tournament has definitely had players who were like 15 and 16 um from multiple countries uh prominent one is Sumail he's now in mm-hmm. Canada but like uh but like there's also definitely been chinese players who were like 15 16 and like they're made they're considered major forces in those esports scenes like how does that affect them like obviously they're going to play on an approved account or something like that from their parents or whatever but like that just goes to show like if the thing can be circumvented why is it there at all (laughs) and like if everybody's just going to circumvent it anyways like what what i don't know what it's really doing that's positive like i'm not going to say like oh it's draconian it's taking their rights away like i'm definitely not going to go that way because it is a cultural difference um and i'm sure there's a lot of situations where this will actually be a big positive um sure like especially if it's like going to curb some like addictive personality type behaviors um that 
no complaints here. Um, but I, I think the way they did it was just a little bit too heavy handed. Yeah. And I saw some arguments that were like, Hey, it would be great if we could curb some of the addictive issues here. What if instead of this, the government better regulated companies that make things like gotcha totally. games and totally, microtransaction totally. fed games. Cause, but they won't do that because those games make them a fuckload of money both in China and in the rest of the world, and yep. they want that money coming in. And they, so, and frankly, they market it to kids. Like, look at yeah. Fortnite. That's so, marketed I mean, to kids. And even, like, I know I love Genshin Impact. That game yep. is a huge example of this, where, like, mm-hmm. it is a constant, like, hey, spend another 100 bucks here. Um, yep. And Ro- you don't have Roblox. to enjoy it, but it's, That's, yeah. These are Western um, games, but, but like... Well, and Genshin and, was and made by a Chinese team. That's why it, I bring it up. So. It is, yeah. It's but, like, like and... Shortly after this news was announced, the NetEase stock in China went straight down because which is like funny. It's it's interesting. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's a it's an interesting problem. It's hard to to have extremely comprehensive thoughts on it as someone who's not part of that culture yep. and not living there. Um, yeah, like I, you I said, I'm sure there's probably parents know. who are like, "Thank God for this," because oh yeah. my god. I can't seem to get my kid to stop playing games all the time, you know, like, yeah, which I think it's much different than we were when we were kids, like coming home or like even bringing a little game boy with you or a game boy color versus, Mm -hmm. uh, like coming home and playing on the Commodore 64 or whatever, like little PC or NES, SNES, N64, like I'm going Nintendo side, but whatever, Sega, PlayStation, whatever you pick your poison. Those were not, connected to a larger community those were not yeah. predatory those were not like that was going to blockbuster and renting a game versus grabbing mommy's credit card and then charging her and two thousand dollars it's so even money part of it aside i mean mm-hmm. hell destiny does this and there's not even really egregious i mean there's it's battle passes whatever destiny is yeah. not a gotcha game um well it is but <laughs> Yeah. totally different <laughs> different yeah <laughs> gotta get those engrams but you're not buying those um yeah. uh the, the when when i when we played when i played final fantasy 4 or whatever on mm. super nintendo at my friend's house yes we played that game for hours at a time sometimes but when it was like hey it's time to go get pizza we were like sick save the game let's go get pizza and there was never it never felt like we got to finish that game ASAP because if we don't, you know, in the same way that with a game like Genshin Impact, it's like, oh my God, this event's going for 20 days and every minute that I'm not playing, I'm not grinding currency for it. And like, there is this push with service games to be, regardless of the, the gotcha nature, the, the, the pay, the pay systems, there is a push to make it part of your life to make it, you know, this game isn't a thing you do to have fun. This game is a thing you keep up with and that you are always thinking about and always trying to like push for the next thing yeah. in it. And yeah. Final that's Fantasy IV, a lot for a kid. Final Fantasy IV ends, whereas these, exactly. these yeah. all encourage you to continually be engaged with them. And, and yeah, maybe Final Fantasy IV ends and we know there's not going to be another game to play that we want for another year or two so instead yeah. we just fuck around in final fantasy 4 we go and do everything we just like wander around Which, and fight enemies and laugh at the way that the sprites look at times and stuff yep. like 
which which leads you to speed running, which leads you to the but yeah, like no, these are destructive personal. No, it was a totally different things. mode to play video games. They could still kind of be like quote unquote addictive, but it was a very yeah. different form of engagement with them than what you get from a lot of current games. And which I'm not necessarily saying that I think service games shouldn't exist, but like no. I can they see how it, it's rough for kids. I, I think they shouldn't be targeted at children because it, it is basically gambling. And like which is why I'm not going to take a hardline stance on this China story. I'm not right. going to say fuck this. Exactly. Like, no, it's yeah, like that's my point. There's too. certain there's certain situations where definitely it sucks, uh, and I think it could have been less heavy-handed. But I'm not going to say it's a terrible thing. Like, I think we should be putting a little bit of restriction on our games as it is now, especially for people who are losing like days and days out of their weeks and losing a shit ton of like their income or their parents' income, whatever the case might be, in like potentially self-destructive ways. I think yeah. that's that is a bigger problem. And when it comes to the the I certainly would say the parents, I don't I have virtually no stakes in this. Um uh, other than wanting to see kids do well no matter where they are. Um but parents uh I know because you know parental controls on consoles or whatever it would never have worked in my house because i would have whined to my mom about it and she would have caved and turned them off so there is a degree of like the fact that this stuff is mandated certainly not arguing against parents who want the option to control it themselves well but it it is it can be hard for parents to actually control that stuff and not cave when their kids when they're already stressed from a bunch of other things and their kids are being monsters about it you know yeah um, like whipped up into it by the these, com- these developer like you know studios i want them to keep playing and playing and playing yeah like in my case in our my, the household i grew up in i played max Payne the day it came out i was 11 uh i played like half-life shortly after it came out when i was under 10 like i watched starship troopers when i was like 10 and like terminator 2 when i was like 8 and that was like i it was fine. I could handle it, but that was my at my parents' discretion. It's not like, like I this was before torrents and stuff. You couldn't just go yeah. like, oh, you want, I'm going to download this thing and watch it behind their backs. It's like no, like they were actively engaged. Like, okay, we think you're mature. Like you're you're ha- you've watched one or two of these and you're not going crazy. So all right, feel free. Um, and I think like in that sense, like yeah, I'm glad that my parents had that discretion. And we're able to kind of look at the thing first and be like, okay, yeah, I think you could handle this. But it gets so much harder now because of just the nature of media and how it's so decentralized and there's so much of it. It's impossible to keep up with literally everything. Like, it, it it's legitimately impossible. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. It's interesting. Interesting story. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it develops and yeah um you know you hope it's i don't believe in slippery slopes but you hope it it isn't one i don't know Um, yeah we'll see yeah i will say too and i don't we don't have to get into this on another 20 minute tangent but (laughs) you know if it is the kind of thing where uh, a lot of high schoolers who are becoming adults soon and are now having their favorite thing to do taken away from them um it's going to create a lot of pissed off young people who will eventually be you know again more than likely it's not going to mean anything for them and who cares but uh 
it's not always the best to create a generation of angry kids uh, yeah. from the perspective of your government and the way it governs people. Because when you get Probably. a whole lot of angry young people together, sometimes it can cause some uh, difficulties for those holding power. Okay, boomer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but you yeah. need a lot more bricks in that wall to fall than just this one for that to yeah. actually mean anything. Uh, but yeah, that know. that is a it is a larger problem. But I do agree. <laughs> uh, also, a um, couple of of playstation pieces there's a playstation showcase yeah. next thursday um who knows what they're going to show hopefully it's something coming out this year um yeah i don't I know feel like, i feel, I feel like, like they could have of... like a something small in them to to squeeze out for a holiday <laughs> and that, that could that could be cool um i don't know yeah i have grown more and more jaded with sony and yeah, like same here. Their upcoming titles, and I think they handled this year very poorly. Even though same. I thought Returnal and Ratchet were both good games, um, it's kind of I don't yeah. think they've supported them particularly well. And instead, they're like really pushing Ghost of Tsushima again. Um, hey, the Fox, the Fox stuff is very cute. Uh, don't get me wrong; I think the work they're doing on that game is really cool too. I'm I'm glad they're yeah. given the room to run on it, and I'm probably going to try that director's cut, but. I don't know. But it's also like $30, $30. Yeah, it's weird it's, and like the way that they a lot the way that they kind of canned the days gone stuff and when yeah. people really liked that is like I don't know. They just don't seem like they are in tune at all with what people want out of PlayStation. And the problem I, is that they don't have to be because there's like a million people on the internet who are like who will swat you if you say anything bad about Sony. So Oh yeah. And I think I think I personally have been saying this for like a year or more, but like I feel like Sony is kind of falling back into their PS3 era, just kind of hubris. Um, And they're not paying attention. They're not listening to anybody around them anymore, which it was really great with that PS4 event with Mark Cerny and all those people where it showed like they were listening to their community. They were listening to indie developers and like they had a total focus shift and we're like, okay, we get you. And then like they turned everything around. That's where you got like the meme of like Adam boys handing, uh, was it Kaz? I forget the used game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, yeah like, yeah, yeah, this is how it works. Or I think it was, no, it, it, was, it, was uh, it was Shuhei. Yeah. It was Yasp. Yeah. Um, uh, but like that era is gone and they're yeah. back to the PS3 era it's of weird. kind of sucking and shit and being I, weirdly corporate. <laughs> the thing I think that's different is, um, Microsoft capitalized on that during the 360 era by yep. just putting out fucking banger after banger, like just killing yep. it repeatedly over and over again. Every totally. like they always had something new coming out, whether it was a third party exclusive or something. Yeah. Um, you had gears, you had the uh, well, for, they innovated the um, the uh, Xbox, like the store, the online store, yeah, and they had all those summer sales and like their whole online service was better. They did Summer of Arcade during that time. Yeah, Summer of Arcade. They had, that's something. Um, they they had they had the Call of Duty thing. So if you wanted to play Call of Duty on a console, mm-hmm. well, if you want to play Call of Duty at all, because it wasn't on PC really at that time, um, except for two. But yeah, it was, but it sucked. They didn't have dedicated server. Like that was a whole, yeah, whole thing. Um, and uh, uh, anything, everything after two, yeah, two was good on PC. But um, this time around. It's. I just feel like Microsoft is also in a weird rut because they have all these studios and like 
it sounds like Psychonauts 2 is extremely good. Yeah. From what I've heard from people who like the I, first one a lot. Yeah. I but also, it. I want to play it at some point, but I don't feel that like, holy shit, I'm so excited for this Microsoft thing. Outside of Forza Horizon, that one I'm very excited yeah. for. But I also know what to expect with Forza Horizon, and it just doesn't feel like there are any surprises from anything yeah. In all the surprises are ones that I'm looking for from basically indie games on PC at this point. hundred percent. There have been yeah. a lot of them, or at least double A, like smaller tier games. Yeah. Um, like I played, I didn't talk about it's, on the cast because, but I played like some high fleet, cool surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to play some black book at some point. seems like it's yeah. going to be really fucking rad. Um, it's loop hero. It's, the was a hit it's this year. It, it's really the experimental stuff that has always been the most interesting. And it did feel like in the 360 era, uh, Microsoft was more willing to try do, weird shit. Do you remember when they had that wild ass shooter where you had to, you, you jumped from cover to cover and it was yeah. like, you were like upside didn't down cell, and stuff. Didn't fifth yes, cell it make a it? Fifth cell game. Yeah. Oh, what was that called? Um, that game ultimately uh, kind of died, like, but it was hybrid? cool. Maybe it was a cool concept. And yeah. it was a cool, like, I played that game for like three weeks that summer when it was in Summer of Arcade and was like, man, this is neat. And Game Pass has made for a really great vector for trying a lot of those smaller games out, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel, and it has solidified itself as like, I'll always have Game Pass, but it, Same. and maybe that's enough for Microsoft, but it doesn't make me go, like, I'm not sitting here like, oh man, the next big Microsoft Studios release, because they seem like they're very niche for the most part each game yeah um and or or a very weird. known quantity yeah like i want to play psychonauts at some point but that is a game made for psychonauts fans and like i'm excited to play horizon but if you're not into forza you're not gonna like horizon um no and it's interesting um just to see both of these kind of monoliths i'm looking at both of them like i don't know i don't care I mean, that kind of covers goes into our next story, which is that the the Horizon Forbidden West does not, according to the fact that's currently available, Horizon Forbidden West does not have a upgrade path from PS4 to PS5, and um, you have to buy the deluxe edition or higher to get yeah both versions. I I don't think this is that big of a deal personally. Um, but I get when they originally were talking about the PS4 version, they did say you'd be able to upgrade and now you can't. So they're kind of going back on something they said before, according to what's available now information wise, which would suck. And it would just kind of, yeah, just kind of exists in that they don't really give a shit about the people playing the games perspective. It's, and it's weird because Sony actually in the Vita era did pretty well by this of like you buy one copy of the game and you get both versions mm-hmm. and like Microsoft uh, if you get the Xbox one version you're typically just getting a license to the game and you can yeah, play it play on anywhere Series thing. X play like, yeah, play anywhere. yeah like that's a good initiative so it does this story in particular and there's been others in the past but this one in particular does kind of lend into what we were just saying that it feels like Sony yeah if they're i don't know if it's they're out of touch i don't know if it's they're again more corporate and just looking at things in a much more businessy way but it it carries that same notion that same kind of feel which i don't know yeah i, I get it i get the outrage i also get why sony does it i don't have really strong feelings one way or the other on this one but 
it's I think it's it's, it's frustrating. Blown out of proportion by some of the um, Sam wrote an article about it for for the site, and I it's I think uh, I don't necessarily agree with like the level of frustration that he and others have um, expressed mm-hmm. over it, but I also appreciate why people are pissed um, mm. and um, and certainly like am. <laughs> You should still go read the article because it's a, it's a it's a well-written article that outlines the issue. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird. It's it's just a weird L for them to take yeah. when I don't know what revenue is there for them to sell a second copy of Horizon Forbidden West. I mean, I loved Zero Dawn, but these are not games. There, it's not a service game. Like you're not gonna play yeah. it for a hundred hours on PS4 and then want to rebuy it on PS5. Obviously there are people who will do that, but like Mm -hmm. it's not that many people. You could have just avoided the bad PR and said, we don't need the extra million in revenue or whatever that would have come from people rebuying it. Not used because you could also just buy a used copy on disc anyway, if you have the disc based PS5. Um, Totally. I don't know. It's, it's weird, but at the same time, like, if you are in the unique situation of really wanting to play Horizon Forbidden West on PS4 Pro or whatever, please, I don't think you're going to want to play that on a non-Pro PS4, but we'll see. Um, Probably. Uh, yeah. And you're pretty sure you're going to get a PS5 within the two or three months that that game is going to be sitting in your on your hard drive. It's only $10 more than the PS5 version of the game to buy the Deluxe Edition. So it's like... Yeah, it stinks, but I also don't really see it as that huge of a yeah. deal. And and we're also when did the PS5 come out? Are we like nearing a year out from its yeah, release? Yeah, it was November, I believe. Yeah, so we're we're coming up on a year, and like I feel as though we're at the point where you shouldn't have to expect that you know the same game coming out on multiple platforms comes with both. At any, I would like, tend to it, agree. Like yeah, like for that first year, sure. Uh, that's how it was last gen as well. I think after a year, it's like you're going to get one or the other probably. I don't know. I think the only thing that sucks about it is the fact that Maybe they both. said you were going to get both at one point. E- e- that's um, true. Walking so that I get back the, isn't great. Before I knew that, or before I had been reminded of that, I was kind of like, who cares? Why are people mad about this? But now I do get that it's... But it's yeah. still, to me, and I wish people would stop doing this, and I'm not necessarily picking on Sam specifically here, but it still to me seems like people finding something to be mad at Sony about so that they can elevate yeah. Microsoft by comparison. And it's like, <laughs> I get the, like all it needs is, yeah, it's kind of shitty. Like don't, you don't need to find reasons to shit on either or giant megacorp that makes video games that doesn't give a fuck about you either way. Like yep. Bill Spencer's not going to retweet you because you talk shit about Sony. <laughs> like just, who cares? Yeah. Like, be annoyed yep. if it's directly affecting you. But if you already have a PS5, then what difference does it make to you at all? <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, speaking of um, companies that uh, frequently... Are out of touch? Are out of touch, yeah. <laughs> um, Game Boy and Game Boy Color games are teased to be headed to Nintendo Switch Online. Yeah, I think that's cool. Eh. I hope it has. I hope it has the original aspect ratio for some reason, because those are going to look terrible stretched out. Who knows? It'll also probably be <laughs> junk. They'll probably give you like games you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Do you think they're right. going to have Tetris on there? 
doubt it. They're not going to do Pokemon original Pokemon. No fucking way. Uh, probably not. Yeah, probably like it's only going to be first party stuff, I'd imagine. Well, they um, did some third party stuff, I think, for the Nintendo, the SNES and NES. Well, I would say, sorry, the only guarantees I would say are first party yeah. stuff. And then the other third party stuff is more like coin flips. But um, what first party stuff are they even, they're not going to give you Mario games. Maybe well, they'll maybe give you Mario one Land. is like a pity, like a pity thing. They'll give you Mario maybe, Land. Maybe, maybe Wario Land. Because those games are good. Uh, maybe. They're good. Yeah. Um, a lot of those games are good, but I just don't. The, the way they did yeah. it with the NES and SNES stuff on Nintendo Switch Online was they put out a bunch of like B-sides. Because yeah. they don't want you to get the good games through the service. They want to sell you those. <laughs> so Yeah, totally. Um, if they put... They would do a... They would... If they put Red and Blue on there and hooked it up to Pokemon Home, that would... That would be very cool. That'd be pretty sick. Yeah. yeah, if they did something like um what's the Kirby's pinball game? Like that'd be fun. I'd be mm-hmm. cool with that. Like that's not a high tier, like everybody loves that shit. It's like, oh yeah, if that's there, that'd be awesome. Um yeah. like Oracle of Ages, was that Game Boy? Game Boy Oracle Color. Seasons? Yeah, yeah, Seasons I, and Ages. I would love to replay those games. Um, yeah, those games are good. One of the few people um, who likes them. I, I like uh, them. apparently um, most Zelda fans do not, which Oh, that's fine because I, I like, actually don't like most Zelda games, but I like well, those ones. <laughs> I like most Zelda games, and I like those. Yeah, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. There's random stuff they could pull that would probably be fine, uh, but I don't think. I think if anybody's expecting the hard heavy hitters to just be there, they're probably going to be. You should probably temper your expectations yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um. Also, in the world of, um, I don't know. This would have been made more sense as a segue from our earlier conversations, but uh, Player Unknown oh, yeah. is departing the PUBG company to form a new studio. Uh huh. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, I like know. obviously it it got huge, but I just find it so weird, especially how they changed the name to like PUBG Battlegrounds uh, officially. Like it's just so weird. Player Unknowns Battlegrounds Battlegrounds, and now it's not even Player Unknowns. It's just PUBG is its own acronym that doesn't mean anything, I guess. Yeah, it's really strange. And I think I'm always a little skeptical of like, not to pick on him, not to pick on player unknown at all. Although I get Mm. the, they've been not the, not the sweetest company in the world, not the most wholesome brand in terms of some of the ways they've handled stuff, but whatever. I don't have anything personally against the guy, but it's like, I'm always skeptical when people move, into making a game and they make a lot of choices along the way that lead he made a lot of choices that led to PUBG being what it is now obviously mm-hmm. there's a whole team around it and stuff but when it started out it was definitely his thing and it was it was a very tiny team at the time yeah and so now it being this massively popular thing and him wanting to get away from it all to start a new studio is kind of like oh good luck and I don't wish anything against you but I hope that if you you're making a new thing maybe don't make some of the same choices <laughs> yeah and uh, like or do i, I guess d- and farm that off and make a bunch of money off that too yeah like i think the thing about PUBG was it it isn't that it was like intensely innovative like obviously he was coming off of doing the mods for like uh, h1z1 and stuff and like that's what really propelled it it was just a more refined and um i don't even know how to put it but it was like 
a better version of the mods and standalone and it blew up and that's what that's how we got Fortnite <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because they stole it and that's also the whole friggin Fortnite stealing among us imposters things but anyways um I don't know I, it would be really interesting to see if he can do something similar if he can come up with something uh innovative that you know gives us a new shooter genre but I'm not expecting it like no. I think I think I think again you should probably temper your expectations um yeah. like he, maybe he'll make a total banger and it will change the industry again maybe he'll just make something that gets farted out and no one cares about so we'll see yes we shall good good luck to him yeah definitely i want more good video games so yeah i hope you make something cool and, and he's made a good one so mm-hmm uh, they almost got me. They put black pink skins into PUBG, oh, yeah. and I was real close to reinstalling. Then I was like, "Nope, you know what? This game's not very good now, from what I've heard." Yeah. So it, it was really, it was it was really good, but now it's it was less for a time. I would say again, not that the developers aren't problematic in plenty of their own ways. Although I don't know where that's at these days because the person who said the shitty stuff is gone. I don't know. If you liked early PUBG, you should check out Escape from Tarkov because yeah. that has a lot of early PUBG DNA in it and yeah, I think is totally. more interesting from a mechanical well, perspective than PUBG. This is maybe a weird take, but I think PUBG was best when it was bad. <laughs> like that's like when yeah. it, when it was like kind of janky and like like broken in some very specific ways. I think that's actually when it was best because it was and like the most fun. Tarkov recaptures that by not having bad janky gameplay so much. The guns are really good and they work well, but more things like they recently introduced gun jamming. So if you don't <laughs> clean your guns, then the guns can jam. That sounds and a couple dumb. of my friends have died because they were trying to get by with guns that they hadn't cleaned because they couldn't find the, I think you have to find gun oil in some the I- world to item. clean them. Yeah. Um, and the gun jammed and then they got killed. So yeah. Anyway, uh, they recreate some of that, that, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. This is all fucked up. <laughs> situation. That's great. Um, our last story is uh, the 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 classic. Um, I was going to make a joke about it being the massively multiplayer, critically acclaimed massively well, multiplayer online role playing uh, game. Uh, well, you you know what's happening? Lightning is returning. One could say Lightning returns to Game Pass for the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is interesting just because. It's so the arc of Final Fantasy 13 is so funny. Like we talk a lot about games that were bad when they came out or were disappointing to people when they came out like No Man's Sky mm-hmm. and then like regained public opinion. Yep. But oh, No Man's Sky, mm-hmm. by the way, there's a big update coming. Anyways, please continue. Yeah, that's like farming and or not farming, that Set- was already settlements. settlements, settlement building and stuff, which is but, interesting and a whole weird conversation. But 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 um, anyways, Final Fantasy 13. Yeah, it's a game that that hasn't changed at all since it first came out. But boy, have nope. people's opinions of it changed over time. I still, I still think the first twenty hours are bad. <laughs> I never made it past the first ten hours. Um, I think that it's super cool visually. I just think the combat's mm-hmm. really fucking boring, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like you, it's like autopilot. There's no, it could just be an auto battler. There's like yeah. no strategy, which is I think a problem dating back to like Final Fantasy X. Um. Although 12 didn't have this problem. 12 was interesting. Uh, you could kind of auto-battle it. As, as the game with the auto-battling mechanic actually had more interesting combat, in my opinion, than 10 it, and 13. It, 
if you um, wanted it, it was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, but I, think, I don't think I, they've, I don't think it's that good from that perspective. I think, I think 13, I liked 13 two more than I liked 13. So that's why I will say I like the characters in 13. I think they're kind of cool. Sure. Um, and I like the visuals a lot. The cutscenes are gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've considered maybe trying to give take another crack at, at 13 now that it's on Game Pass um, just to see if I can get through the story because I've heard really good things about 13.2 and Lightning Returns um, or whatever the third one was. Uh, yeah, I think that's Lightning the, Returns. The third one I've heard from some people is their favorite Final Fantasy game, but it just it was such a niche audience for it when it came out because it was like mm-hmm. you had to have played basically two whole Final Fantasy 13 games to really have any reason to play it. So mm-hmm. it just didn't have a wide audience, but that among people who were really into 13 and 13 two, that lightning returns is like a really, really well-made game. Um, it has really cool combat and systems. So yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, is there are 13, two and thirteen lightning returns on game pass? I can't remember. I didn't see it. I only saw 13. Yeah. I don't think they are, but maybe they should, uh, port those over i don't know if there's pc versions of those games uh coming soon to game pass final fantasy 13 i don't see anything it's on about... steam lightning returns is on steam so okay yeah i don't see anything about 13 2 or lightning returns good uh, art lightning returns is a pretty game yeah we got final fantasy 13 surgeon simulator Nuclear, nuclear, nuclear throne is coming later, but nothing about any of the other thirteen games. So yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's cool, and you know, I like Final Fantasy. So, yeah. uh, and Lightning is a very cool character. I'll say that she's very unique. Final Fantasy thirteen protagonist. Yeah, she's great. Um. Well, without any other bleeding edge news to cover. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Gaming Fix podcast. Uh, I just Civilization Six is ninety six percent off. So if Shit, you really want to enjoy some Civ Six, you can wow. currently get it for like nothing. Is that on? <laughs> is that on Steam? Free. Yes. Wow, that's an extremely good deal. Yeah, up to ninety one percent off. That's amazing. That's up like till nine September sixteenth. So. You got like a week on that one. You should, yeah. you should do that. Civilization six is a really buy, good game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I would argue civilization six is one of the best of the Civ games in a lot of ways. I, I think it's up there with four. Yeah, for sure. And the platinum and, edition is also, I'm actually going to, I can get the couple of Civ packs I don't have for 76 cents. So that's uh, ridiculously good. Yeah. Uh, yes. You anyway, get Civ five, the cool. complete edition for us, like 50 bucks or something. That's also really worth it. Civ yeah. Five also excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be much more inclined to point people towards that than humankind right now. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah. Uh, so uh, that's gonna do it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining me, Alex. Thank you. Where for me. can people find you on the internet? Uh. That's a good question. I don't know what I'll be doing this weekend. I'm, I really want to watch Candyman, but I can't find it streaming anywhere. Yeah, I want to go see uh, Shang-Chi kind of bad, but I'm 50-50 on it with going to a theater. Yeah, I went to, I went to a concert last week that was very good, but also mm. if I had known what it was going to be like going in, I would not have gone to it because 
<laughs> it was a fully masked, fully vaccinated. Everybody had to provide proof of vaccination, but it was still a little bit much. So let's see, I don't know yeah. if I want to push my luck. I feel good. I don't think I picked anything nasty up there, but um, not sure if I want to push my luck at the movies. So I yeah, wait. Fair enough. How about that? How about you, Pat? Where can people find you? Oh, you can find me at PJC Plays. I might drive a little bit at Daytona tomorrow, so maybe you could find me. You go down to Daytona, and you shouldn't do that because COVID's real bad in Florida, but I'll be driving some virtually, I think. Uh, and you can find me grinding my face against Last Wish, apparently, the Destiny 2 raid Monday. I'll have more <laughs> thoughts on that, I'm sure. Sick. Although I won't be here next week because I will be physically at a race in real life in Portland. Um, so, uh, if any of our fans are going to the Portland Grand Prix of Portland, please hit me up. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Uh, yeah. Um, well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Thick Podcast, and you know, do all the like, leave us a review, and tell your friends and all that stuff. Uh, we really appreciate it. And um, try to get our listen count directly at like 420 this week. I don't know how yep. we coordinate that, but let's, let's try to yeah. get that. Yes, please. All right, thanks. I'm not going to say Andre's thing because that's Andre's thing. But yeah, you know. But you, you should know. do the thing that he says. You know what he says. Yeah, do that. Yeah. Be that, I guess. Whatever. Be that. <laughs> Stay that. Stay that, gamers. Goodbye.